Let's do it. I got my guy in the building, Josh Wilcox, owner and operator mm -hmm. of the Brooklyn Podcasting Studio. Yes, sir. What's the address? 187 Garfield Place. 187 Garfield Place. Mm -hmm. Welcome, sir. Mm -hmm. Good to be here, man. Good to see you. I'm excited to have you here. You know, I, I recorded a lot of podcasts at your space. You were the first one, man. Literally the first client I ever had four years ago when I still had hair and everything. Word? Yeah, you remember? You don't remember? No, I remember you were here. <laughs> I, I was the first client? Yeah, man. You were like my first first real client, in my opinion. Like, we had maybe like one or two other people in there that were sort of pretenders and mm -hmm. whatnot. But like, yeah, you were really like client, technically client like number two or three, but first real one. That's what's up, man. That's what's up, man. I, I, I recorded a few cool podcasts there. I remember I had my guys in there one time. We did the AAU basketball program. Mm -hmm. I remember when I initially got fired from Brooklyn College, I did yeah. that podcast there. <laughs> that was a wild one. That was a wild one, man. But uh, you you definitely took care of me there. You were behind the camera. Mm -hmm. You made sure the mics were straight. Mm -hmm. You did the editing. You did the audio. And I was looking on your social media today, and you have some clips up there, and it says, owner and operator. Yep. I knew you were the backbone of that place, but I didn't know you were the owner. When did that happen? So that officially happened, like, I want to say the end of 2020, top of 2021. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I was always sort of like, so... I started that business with uh, a business partner. Like he was sort of like a, you can think of him like an angel investor. Right. So he backed most of the the you know the funding for the studio and everything like that. And um, long story long story short, like he just didn't contribute in any other way mm -hmm. other than the money, which is not I'm not trying to like bash him for that or right. anything like that. But like I really built that thing by myself. Yeah. Like and he recognized that and he always said he was going to try to help me out and. He never. He just never did. He always had a whole bunch of other stuff going on, <laughs> right. both both personally and professionally. And like, he's still my guy. Like, we're still cool to this day. But long story short, he was just like, you know what? This thing is yours. This thing has always been yours. He's just like, why don't we make this thing official? Wow. Yeah. And, and sold it to me. This is and the other reason why I don't bash him because he sold it to me for next to nothing, and he didn't have to do that. Wow. Yeah. So shout out to shout out to him. I hope he's doing well. I haven't talked to him in a good little bit, but um, but he's a good guy. Josh, that's your space. I know. <laughs> that's crazy, man. Yeah, what man. was it like taking on that project and ownership by yourself? Because, again, you were the guy running the show. Yeah. But I guess you always had the angel investor, the backup, but now it's all on you. Mm -hmm. What was it like that first couple of months, days, years? You know, the truth of the matter is, like, he... You know, it really didn't happen once I became owner. Mm -hmm. It really has been that way since day one because, like, he helped fund it, but then I never lost a dollar for him. So, like, all the money that that ever came to the studio was money that I generated. Right. So, really, I kind of felt that way since, since day one, since we opened. Yeah. But I will say, like, you know, I will say that, like, when it's all on you to to – to finally have like the piece of paper and be like, yeah, this is this is yours, this yeah. is mine. It does hit different. Mm -hmm. It hits different because you realize that uh, you realize that this is you know I haven't had any other job for four years now. <laughs> you yeah, know? like this, like I've been running Brooklyn Podcasting Studio full time, and to have that pressure always there is something like you know you wake up you wake up with it you go to sleep with it knowing that like mm -hmm. you, you know that like you got to make this money and For you sure. got to make this happen uh, but I think most of it just comes from a belief of knowing that 
I'm really good at what I do straight yeah. up. <laughs> like I, I'm really good at what I do. I'm really, I really focus on systems and how to deliver things mm -hmm. to people in the most efficient way. And I think just having that belief is the thing that has really carried me through, mm -hmm. you know, and to be honest with you now, nowadays, like what I'm actually more focused on is helping people with their content, yeah. which is something I always, you know, I always, you know, you always ask me like, how'd that go? And I always gave you, you know, the realest advice I possibly could. For sure. And, uh, and I would say that is the thing that has actually even carried me through more so than, than my technical skills, to be honest with right. you. And, and if I'm also being honest with you, like, I'm like, I will, I say this with all the humbleness in the world. I'm the best version of myself right now. Dope. Like the, like the person you met four years ago is not the same person. <laughs> like absolutely not. Right. That's what's up, man. That's what's up. Oh, one thing in there. And this is not just exclusively the podcasting, but just being an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. a, a black business owner. You mentioned that you realize like, yo, this is all on me. I feel that pressure at times too. Like I'm in the house pacing, thinking about podcasts for next week and stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm like, sometimes it, it consumes me. Yeah. How do you manage and I don't want to say turn it off because it's your business, but kind of compartmentalize, tend to your family, enjoy your holiday. Have you been able to do that? How do you do it? Man, I'll, I'll keep it a stack. Like that's something I'm still struggling with to this day. Yeah. Um, especially right now because I got more things going on than I, than I ever have in my entire life. I got so much going on in relation to the studio and to podcasting. But I, I personally just try to surround myself. Like the things that I consume mm -hmm. is really, really important to me now more so than ever. Like I try to only be on social media when I need to be. Yeah. Like it's really just for work and, and for nothing else. Like I have a personal social media that I touch maybe once a year just to let yeah. mom know I'm still alive. <laughs> no. That's what's up. That's really that's really how I, I try to make sure that I'm I, and it's not like, you know, I'm not into like cheesy things like, you know, say like positive quotes or anything yeah. like that. But like I I realize that like my health, my health both mentally and physically are super important. Mm -hmm. And that's something I've always known you know, even before I started the studio, but right. it's like, if, you know, if I'm not at least hitting, hitting the gym or getting some physical activity four to five days out of the week, if I'm not, you know, at least trying to meditate three to four times out of the week, if I'm not doing all the things that I need to do to make sure that I'm okay. Mm -hmm. And not just for me, like, you know, my family with who I, 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 Love them, my friends and fam family that I love them to death, especially the friends that are, that I still have because yes. they, they know I'm not around that often. I'm not the person that is going to text you, you know, you know, you even, you know, I'm yeah. a hard person to get a hold of. Yeah. Not easy. And, um, you know, for you're me, on a mission. I'm on a mission. And, and the people that understand that know that and yeah. they're not offended by that. Um, but. You know, I'm also a married man, and I also need to make sure. I also know that in order for me to be good, she has to be good too. Yeah. So, so for me, it's like not forgetting uh, that I also need to be there for her too. Mm -hmm. And uh, because if she's good, then then I'm good. There yeah. you go. There you go. I appreciate you asking that because I, I balance. I wonder if that's a thing, or if it's possible when you're trying to mm -hmm. build something from the ground up, man. Mm -hmm. But uh, let's have some fun today. You off the clock. You in here sizing up my cameras and my mic. I'm like, yo, Josh, you're not on the clock today, bro. We just sitting back. It's hard to turn it off. <laughs> and chilling. But one thing you mentioned, like, you weren't just somebody that, because I've been to podcast studios when they just press the record button mm. and that's it. But you were really involved. You were really into helping podcasters develop mm -hmm. their podcasts. Like, you, you pay attention to the industry. So I'm going to ask you, what? 
is the one thing that has your attention. When we're talking about podcasting, talent, technology, just anything that has your attention at this at this moment or you, 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 you're, you're looking at? Like, number one, and I think it's this is the thing that's had my attention pretty much from Jump, and it really hasn't changed. It's just the fact that so many people, whether you're a celebrity or whether you are, uh, you know, just an average person starting a podcast, a lot of people don't focus on the thing that's absolutely most important, and that's the content. Like, mm -hmm. content, like, how good your content is the is is the most important thing I, and i know that sounds like super general and super basic <laughs> but like yo like so many people are out here like i i just hate to say it but it's just the fact like there's so much mid and bad content out yeah. here and and the, the truth of the matter is is just like people look at this as people just talking in the microphones right. and be, and believing that oh i can do that and i'm not trying to say that you can't do it but the truth of the matter is, like, you know this, it's a job. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's a job. And to be honest with you, this is the easiest part. The recording part is the easiest part. Mm -hmm. the, the, most of the work of podcasting is what's done, outside of, uh, what's done outside of the recording. Like, whether your podcast is successful is mostly determined upon what you do outside of the podcast. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is, like, I'm really am very focused on content. Right. Like more so than anything else, and how to make better content. Because I struggle with this trying to be prepared, mm -hmm. but still living room for like extemporaneous and prop to speech. Mm -hmm. So, how do you find the balance? What's real content versus guys just bullshitting on the mic? Well, I think what allows you the freedom to be able to bullshit on the mic is the preparation. Okay. Like it's it's the same thing. Like I, I know we talk a lot of sports on your podcast, yes. right? It's the same thing where like if you put the work in in the gym. You can learn. You can freestyle out on the court or mm -hmm. on the field because you already have the basics down. You've already prepared at that point in time. With podcasting, it's not really any different. The preparation allows you the freedom to be able to freestyle like that because you're not thinking at that point right. about like the next thing. You already sort of know where you want the conversation to go. And the thing is, because of your cognizant of where you want the conversation to go, you can go off on some side tangents and mm -hmm. bring the conversation, like you have the confidence to bring it back. Okay. But it's also the amount of reps that you have. Yeah. Like, you know, one of the things, <laughs> this is gonna sound like really, really basic, but like one of the things I tell people to do all the time, I'm like, if you want your podcast content to be better, practice like simply practice at home like right. you don't have to you know there's a lot of people who were you know don't get me wrong i love money money's great right. if you want to pay me to practice you want to pay to come into the studio to to do a, a mediocre podcast session right. but treat it as practice go right ahead but i tell people all the time you don't got to pay me to practice yeah you can practice at home and get better and then if you can be honest with yourself or the people that you're co-hosting the show with or send it off to a friend and be like hey get some notes on this be like what did you like about this what didn't you like about it practice can can really help elevate the or at least speed up the timeline to getting to your content to a point where like you what you really want to do is get your content to a point where the people who who really can I curse on you? Yeah. Yeah, the people that really fuck with your content, um, they're they're sharing they're sharing it for you. Yeah. Like that's the best marketing on the planet. I always tell people this all the time. Like there's nothing wrong with like like Social media is cool and all that, but like, there's nothing more powerful than, than someone telling, telling, uh, tell than your own fans out there telling yeah. people that they know to check out your stuff because that's the most powerful thing on the planet. I always tell people this all the time too. Like, when when was the time that you decided to check out a new podcast because of a social media post?
No, I like that. Uh, exactly. I'm like, I'll wait. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, you know, in all likelihood, most of the shows that, hell, even the TV shows that we all watch and consume, it's because someone told us about it. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing more powerful than that. So if you focus on your content, it can market itself. Mm -hmm. Joe Rogan. Mm hmm Biggest podcast in the world. Yep. Why? He is, well, his content is, like, I'm not the biggest Joe Rogan fan, but right. I, could I could objectively say that he makes really, really good content. Number one, he already had access to a, a bunch of guests already because he was famous for other things before he came mm -hmm. into, before he started his podcast. So he had, like, so he came in with some advantages already. But but famous guests doesn't mean but, great content. But, but yeah, but that's true, right. and that's a hundred that's hundred percent a fact. Like, there's a lot of people who are famous that are terrible interviews. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are famous that are, um, yeah, that that can't speak at all whatsoever. What has made him so good is that he is like an expert interviewer, like super good at it. Like mm -hmm. he knows how to relate to people. He knows how to, uh, he knows how to get people to say things that they wouldn't ordinarily say. Like, he's just really, really good at it. And he's had the reps at it, too. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, I, I would be willing to bet if you go back to some of his earlier interviews, like, it wasn't as good as it is now. Like, no. he's really much a, he's a machine when it comes to interviewing. Like, <laughs> the, man, the man is so good at it. It's, yeah. it's insane. What do you think it is? Is it his, uh, his patience or what, what makes him a great interviewer? I think what makes him a great interviewer is part of, uh, well, like, I'll, I'll cycle back to one thing I said. It's the preparation. Mm. Like, he is very, very prepared. And I think one of the other things is, too, is, like, don't interview somebody that you're not actually interested in. Like, Fair. Like, I think uh, it's, one of, it's one of those things I actually stress to people. I don't care. <laughs> I really don't give a shit how famous somebody is. If right. you don't actually care about what that person has, something that they have going on. Like, you don't have to be their best friend or mm -hmm. idolize them or anything like that. But whatever you want to talk about with them with, if you don't actually care about that shit at all, don't have the interview. <laughs> like, it's only going to make for crappy content. Right. And it's it's a lose-lose-lose situation. It's a bad interview. Your audience isn't going to like it. You're not going to enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, like, on a philosophical level, why are we doing this podcast? Because you you enjoy doing it, right? right? So, like, why would you put yourself in a situation and do something you don't want to do? And then and then you have your guest who's going to be like, this was shitty. I don't mm -hmm. want to do this, blah, right. blah, blah, blah. Like, everybody loses in that scenario. So, like... What so like so first and foremost he chooses people that he he's actually generally interested generally yeah, yeah. interested in and wants to talk to mm -hmm. so number one is that um, number two is not all the time not all the time because he has had some guests that are difficult they're not necessarily the greatest talkers right but choosing a good guest is is like ninety percent of the battle you know mm -hmm. like if you have somebody that you know can talk and is willing to talk and willing to say things that that makes your job as an interviewer that much easier for sure and then on top of that he's mother joe rogan <laughs> you know what i'm saying like he's he's like i said like he's an expert interviewer so like if you have all those three elements you're going to be able to make great right. content right and when they talk in the business about talent mm. you know i'll be trying to figure out what that means exactly mm. and when I watch Joe Rogan, I'm watching, I'm watching like, yo, what is it about this dude? You mentioned his interviewing. You know, I think he is very patient. Mm -hmm. I think he is an excellent listener. Mm -hmm. I think he does a great job of making people comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, and Joe Rogan's signature is the three-hour podcast. Yeah. And I've really been paying attention about, to that because I think it may take that long to get people to warm up at times. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I look at Joe Rogan. I I like watching his podcast. I've never watched three hours, though. Nobody's ever watching three hours. Most people aren't watching three hours. And the reason why it's three hours long or two hours long, if I'm being being completely honest, what has made his podcast at least grow so quickly on YouTube or how it grew yeah. to be this monster on YouTube is like, I mean, he has a whole other separate channel called like JRE Clips, right? right. That let some people just subscribe to that. Yes. And the thing is, like with those three hours, he's trying to get as much short form content as he can out of it. So he's trying to, ma and also like these, even though like he's Joe Rogan and people are glad to be on his platform, even yeah. if they're a famous person, um, Joe Rogan also knows that like, this person might be difficult to reschedule. So yeah. I'm going to try to get as much time with them as I possibly can. And it's kind of, I will say it's kind of genius because it's like, I can pretty much tell him like none of that stuff. A lot of that stuff is, there's very minimal editing, if any at all. And he's just like, for the long form content, he's like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to let this thing run. Yeah. Because the truth of the matter is the things that most people are going to end up seeing are those short form the clips, clips and, the, and the short segments. Because those are the things I, I can't have never sat down and watched a full show <laughs> or listened to a full Joe Rogan interview from front to back like and I'm never going to yeah you know yeah. <laughs> and that's not because like I dislike him so so much it's just more the fact that I'm like I don't got three hours of for sure out of my time to sure. to do that like maybe if there's somebody he's had some pretty interesting people like, I think I think I listened to a full episode one time I was on a road trip mm. I listened to the to the Dave Chappelle mm. but the three hours and he said it one time he said sometimes I take three hours to kind of bake them you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying to get them to the 20-minute clip that's going to go viral. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've been trying to pull that from from watching Joe Rogan because I used to put so much pressure, like, yo, I got to jam-pack everything in this hour because people are only going to hang around for an hour. Mm. But now I just let it ride mm. and put a few uh, clips out. Another thing with Joe Rogan, mm. we talk about talent. I think establishing credibility mm -hmm. with your audience Yeah is top like people may not agree with you mm. but i think we all believe that he believes what he's saying yeah and i think i i mean the thing is i think i believe what i believe what he's saying too. Yeah. like you know he comes off as a pretty genuine he comes off as a pretty genuine person and he establishes credibility in different ways depending on who the guest is for example like everybody knows he's a ufc commentator yeah. right so yeah. like and so every and the thing is like even before he was a UFC commentator like he's he's been known in the fight game and what's it called people know that he's very well versed in MMA and mixed right. martial arts so like he has that credibility so when he's speaking at least when he's speaking about anything fight related or whatever people know that like he knows what he's talking people know that he knows what he's talking about yeah but it's true like establishing credibility with your audience and really just uh, you know. Being able to being able to interact with your audience is something that's really really key. Like we've been talking about Joe Rogan, but like another dude who I'll give you an example of like sort of examining people who are really talented. Yeah. Another podcaster who I'm not particularly a huge fan of anymore um, is is Joe Button. Like and okay. he, he does one thing, and I tell people that he does one thing that I picked up on, and I usually tell people that it's the best tip that I give every single podcaster now. What's that? Is if you listen to him. He doesn't go more than two to three minutes without, like, especially when he's talking, without acknowledging the audience at some point in time. 
And what that does is it makes people feel like they're part of the conversation. Like, I'll give you an example. He'll just be talking to one of his co-hosts and he'll just say something like, yeah, man, I bet you nobody out there agrees with what you're saying right now. <laughs> and his thing is, he's just talking to the audience indirectly like that. Right. Like, he's not stopping the flow of conversation or anything like that. But by saying little things like that, like, you know, but like nobody out there agrees with that shit. Nobody out here tuning in is doing blah, 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 blah. Like, that like psychologically yeah. makes people feel like they're part of the of the conversation and I always tell people this it's just like we're all secretly a little bit egotistic <laughs> and like even though we know that we're tuning in to watch you or to mm -hmm. listen to you we secretly love being acknowledged that mm -hmm. we're there listening and tuning into you and the more you do that the more people will will secretly whether they know it or not want to keep tuning into your content you told me that tip years ago yeah you told me that tip years ago. Will, anytime you get a chance to acknowledge the audience, ask them a question, mm -hmm. hey, how y'all feel about that, even though they're not there in the room with you, mm -hmm. you, you really feel that pays dividends? Yeah, 100%. Joe Budden. Mm -hmm. Joe Budden is one of my favorites, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think he's a mega talent. I think I love his storytelling. Yeah, he's a good storyteller, too. Great storyteller. Mm -hmm. I, I, he's well-versed when it comes to the music business. Mm -hmm. He's somebody that went through it. You know, he had high times with a number one hit. And then there was times when the the the, uh, the establishment turned its back on him. Mm -hmm. So he has both of those experiences. So I love when he talks about that. But it seems like his podcast took a hit as far as fandom after the breakup with Rory and Maul. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That that played, a that played a huge influence for me personally in terms of... Uh, viewing. In terms of viewing and listening to it. Why? Um, for a lack of better words... I just felt like the dynamic of that show, despite the fact that, like he's right in the he's right in the sense where like the reason why the main reason why we're tuning in is for Joe. Mm -hmm. Like Joe is the main driver of that show. He he, everybody sort of plays off of him, and, yeah. and rightfully and rightfully so. Like he's he's really good at storytelling. He's really good at moving the conversation, keeping mm -hmm. it interesting. And not to say that the other guys there aren't, right. but I really liked the dynamic, and I really got the chance to know those two dudes through the show. Through, through it's called through that show and without them there like i just was not as i just didn't feel it wasn't as interested and and the 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 business of it even though like i don't really know what happens <laughs> right. like i'm not i'm not gonna say like i'm well well versed enough in podcast contracts because to be honest with you people will say people will say like there's industry standards in podcasting i mean like this thing is so damn new yeah like i mean it's not really but it is mm -hmm. it's so damn new in the sense where it's just like you know there aren't as many rules yet mm. there are i mean there are some standards and stuff like that but at the same time i'm just like you can if you, you can make any deal what you yeah whatever, it's still kind of the wild wild west. west yeah like you can make any deal be whatever you want it to be essentially with joe button and after the breakup when rory and maul departed yeah were you shocked that the show took a hit when it came to viewership no i wasn't i wasn't surprised i wasn't surprised by that at all because like my 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 favorite i think a lot of people's favorite part about that show was the connection and the stories that they had amongst each other yeah like, at least for me personally i'm speaking yeah. for me personally but i also know that's probably other people out there who feel exactly sure. felt exactly the same way and 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 there's no knock to the guys that he has on there mm -hmm. now but now i look at them but those guys are not other than um what's other than parks yeah. Those guys are not industry professionals. Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? They're not they're not music industry insiders or anything like that. Um, so like no disrespect to them, but it's like I didn't I don't care about what their opinion is on music in the way that I care about <laughs> Rory Ball. Let me say <laughs> let me say this, Josh. 
the Joe Budden podcast went through a transition. Rory Maul left. Mm. He brought in Ish and what's my man's name? Ice. Ice, Ice yeah. So I'm going along watching it. You know, it's different, yeah. but I'm cool. You know, Joe Budden is again excellent talent, mm. storyteller. I love his his industry uh tales. And then they tried to go on a live tour and it got canceled. And the story was they couldn't sell enough tickets because people weren't really rocking with the new guys. Yeah. And that's the first time I realized, like, oh, snap, the show isn't the same. Mm-hmm. You know, and I started to examine how I viewed it. And, and I, to be honest, it was different. You know, certain topics I didn't want to hear Joe Budden speak on when it came to business or it came to loyalty and stuff. And the reason for that that I realized after a while is his credibility took a hit. Yeah. He sat on that couch and told us for years, these are my boys, oh snap, money won't break us up. But then money broke y'all up, and you dogged him out in front of the world to see. So his credibility was now shot in certain areas. Mm. You know, and that's when I talk about, that's why I bring back uh, Joe Rogan, that credibility with your audience, once it's fractured, mm. it's hard to get it back. So when Joe Budden start talking about loyalty and stuff now, like, People roll their eyes. Mm-hmm. Oh, the money won't change me. Uh, I, I don't want to hear that stuff. It's easier to go to the next video now. Yeah. And I think part of the reason, part of the, I mean, like I said, like, we don't know all the business mm-hmm. details, but I mean, like, the one thing that Joe, that, uh, that Joe Button's like famous for is the fact that like, he, he is the dude that talks about like how bad, like how bad the business is in music. Right. And at least from the outside looking in, like I said, like none of us really know a hundred percent what happened, but from listening to like the last couple episodes with Rory and Maul, when they yeah. tried to like describe like what the beef was and everything like that, it just really came off like Joe was almost acting like those same industry executives mm-hmm. or industry people. Yes, sir. <laughs> that that he was, you know, that he's been essentially been trashing. Uh, ever since he really got out the rap game. For sure. And that's kind of, and I, I don't think I'm the only one that sort of like picked up on that or felt that. Now, whether that's 100% true or not, like yeah. I said, we don't act, none of us here actually really know. There's mm-hmm. always two sides to the story. But at the end of the day, like it, it came off how it came off, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I and, and again, with that credibility, I feel it's so important. Like people will hang with you. Mm-hmm. Even if the show wasn't the greatest that day, or even yeah. if you're working to be a better talent, they feel like they could trust you. They're going to hang with you. Mm-hmm. And that's why sometimes I consciously try to bring people like that know me from when I was a kid. Mm. And my audience sees me talk that shit with my guy right next to me. That gives me more credibility. Like, I guess Will's telling the truth. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I bring people from my life, like Josh Wilcox. Like, yo, I've really been working at this podcast. Mm-hmm. Man said I was one of his first real clients. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Somebody that was behind the scenes with me. I think the audience is like, oh, snap. This kid really been working the, the crab. We, we, we've really been at it. Or if he said he did this on the basketball court and I got my teammate right next to me, it's real. You know what I'm saying? And I, I feel like that's so important. Joe Rogan and Joe Budden made me examine exactly that. You know what I'm saying? Especially when Joe Rogan got... Caught up in the COVID stuff. He got in a little yeah. trouble. He caught a little backlash. But I'm like, yo, this dude brings real medical doctors up here to discuss his side. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I believe him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, is there a comparable black talent to Joe Rogan? Ooh, that's a good Well, the short answer to that question is yes. Who that is, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in terms of an interviewer right now, that's a good question. That's a really, really good question. Or just like standing, because I remember they were having a a, a conversation saying like, "Yo, Joe Rogan should moderate the presidential election uh, yeah. oh, debate." Yeah. yeah, and that's bullshit. Why? <laughs> that's bullshit. Because uh, Joe Rogan is not a. Uh, he, I mean, here's the thing. Like, he's he said this, but I think he sometimes needs to remind people of this. That man's just a fucking podcaster. Like, he's just he's not a political. He's even admitted that he's not like a person that's well versed in politics. But he's somebody we can trust, and he's somebody we believe will ask the hard questions. Uh, I don't believe it in that arena though, because like, because the people that he brings on usually are people that, like I said, he usually brings on things. He usually brings on people. Even if he doesn't know about them, like he's brought, like don't get me wrong, like he's brought on politicians, but mm -hmm. he usually talks to them about things that he knows something about. Right. But he also asks questions that about them, and when he asks questions about things he doesn't know about, he just just asks them about those right. things. But I think you want to bring somebody on who is already sort of in the journalistic space of politics already. Because they know those questions to ask. Nah, that's the thing. Politics has been done the same way for forever. We need an average Joe, <laughs> Joe Rogan. We need an average Joe up there to to ask those questions. And I felt, again, America was calling on him or that was a conversation because he is credible. Mm. And, and I'm going to go back to my question. Do we have a black voice that we can count on, we can, we, we trust as a people? I don't, I mean, how you even phrase that? Like, if I'm being honest, like, there are people that I can think of off the top of my head that I would that I would trust, but I think it's hard to find one person to represent. Well, first of all, I think right. it's hard to find one person oh, one person to represent all of black course. people. Of course. Because like, the one thing is, like, we do not move as a monolith, as, sure. as certain people like to believe and think that we do. Um, but at the same time, I think the short answer to that question is, do I believe that there's someone talented enough out there? Oh, absolutely. There's plenty of people talented. In fact, I would say there'd be more people. I believe there are people that are more talented than Joe Rogan, if I'm being honest about uh, that. But at the same time, like, they don't get the notoriety for X, Y, and Z reason. You can insert millions of millions of different reasons why. Um, I'm going to tell you who I think is the realest black voice in America right now. Who do you think? The realest mm. DJ Academics. Really? Really. DJ Academics is, he has a podcast now on Spotify, but he was a YouTuber. He used to do little videos and clips, commentary on hip hop and things going on in the culture. Now he does a lot of live streams. I think he is a self-made man. Mm. I think he has built a base a fan base, he calls them chat niggas or whatever, <laughs> that is immovable mm. and that gives him power. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll point to something I brought up before when um, the lady in Jay-Z's company, Desiree Perez, mm. it came out that she worked as a snitch. She wore wire against a drug cartel. Did you mm. see that? No. She's OG Wan's wife. OG Wan that we've been hearing on raps forever, mm. right? Came out that she wore why against a drug cartel. And actually, President Trump, on his way out, he pardoned her. Did you see that? No, I didn't know that. Okay. Nobody in hip-hop discussed it. Not Charlamagne, mm -hmm. not Joe Budden. Mm -hmm. You mean to tell me the lady that's at the top of uh, Jay-Z's company is pardoned by Trump? We don't mention it? 
The only person that discussed it was DJ Academics. Now, why didn't Charlemagne and Joe Budden mention it? Because they compromised? Because they got Rock Nation flags on their hat? Mm. And I think that's dangerous. That's the same thing that Kim Jong-un and them do. They try to control the media. Mm. You know what I mean? Hove, we love you, but you're not above reproach. You're not above being called to the carpet. So you, you, you compromised Charlemagne and Joe Budden. I can't trust them anymore. These academics brought that story up. You know what I'm saying? Like, he got he shows respect to Hov and all these people, but he's not afraid to challenge them. And that is because he has his own base that can nobody call to fire him. Mm. Like Nicki Minaj tried to do years ago. And because of that, I'm riding with academics. I think he's the realest voice in that space. I believe. Hmm. How do I say this? I don't disagree that I believe that he believes what he believes in, this, in that same in that same regard. And I think, despite the fact, so I'll, I'll be I'll show my cards. I'm not the biggest DJ Academics fan. I'm not the biggest DJ Academics fan personally, but I think what can't be denied is the fact that he is a pretty he is pretty self made, mm-hmm. um, and I think people are a lot more complicated than we want to give them credit for. Meaning, like I can see things that he's done, like you pointing that out right. as something like that's super dope. Right. But then there's other things he's done where I'm just like, that's complete trash, <laughs> like 100 percent trash. And, like what? And like, you know, just the way he goes. Like, I just feel like he does a lot of shit for clicks. And there's a lot of people out here that just do shit for clicks. Mm-hmm. And I think part of his fan base is built off of just doing more doing shit for clicks than doing things like you just mm-hmm. than doing the things that you just mentioned. But I also understand the game, mm-hmm. essentially, too. And. I think just for me personally, and this is a personal belief, I, I'm here for the people that are able to navigate this space and make bread. Because everybody, I don't, I'm not really a person that tries to judge people on how they make their money per se so right. much. But I'm more of a big, I'm more of a proponent of people who, whatever it is that they're providing is something that is more constructive than destructive. Mm-hmm. And I think regardless of, even if he's doing more, more of the stuff of what you just mentioned now, mm-hmm. which is all well and good. Like I, I'm not, I'm not saying he needs to go away. Right. Like I'm not, like I don't think he's done anything so bad to the point where I'm just like, oh, he needs to, he needs to stop doing X, Y, and Z or whatever. But like, I mean, the most obvious thing that comes to mind is the thing with with the the whole relationship with Takashi Six Nine and and that that whole situation was always real sus to me. But, Why? Um, I don't know, like. Well, let me let me just say this about him in general. He talks. He has a lot. Like one of the things that rubbed me the wrong way is like he really seems to talk a really big game sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think that, or how do I put it? Because like I I don't really tune into him that much. Right. But he said he said and done some things where I'm just like that could get somebody really killed out here. Mm-hmm. And I think that or. I'm trying to remember, remember the specific story. Takashi69. Yeah. Hip hop hates this kid because he took the stand mm. against his gang, right? Mm. He's a rat. Mm. But DJ Academics brings to light that Meek Mill works under Desiree Perez, who is documented. She wore a wire against other people. Mm. Why do we turn the blind eye to that? That's hip hop's hypocrisy. Mm. So even DJ Academics saying, yo, Takashi's my friend, he ain't do nothing to me. Like to me, that's. There's, there's honor in that. There's truth in that. Mm. 
while everybody else is frauding, like Meek Mill, Jay-Z, to this day, they won't mention, yo, the top lady in your company wore wire and was pardoned by a president that we think is racist, sexist, xenophobe. Nobody's going to mention that? Yeah. That's, and it makes me wonder what I'm watching. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And Charlemagne, he came in the game. He was fearless. Mm. Now we got the paper plane hacks. It's not the same. Joe Budden, you remember when his podcast really got hot? Mm. When he had that Drake critique. Mm. When he was had the, the wife beater on and he was going in on Drake's views. Mm. Now, because Drake gave him some concert tickets, it's mm. not the same. It's not the same energy. It's not the same energy. So I, everybody is compromised. So I just want people that I can... Believe. Mm. I don't necessarily have to agree with you. My, my best friends in my life, we don't agree, but I believe they're honorable. I believe they're telling the truth. I don't believe they're they're hiding anything because of political affiliations. That's dangerous to me, and and dishonorable. That's true, but I also think, I also think sometimes when we critique people for what they didn't, what they did or did not highlight, mm -hmm. sometimes, sometimes it's really simple. Mm -hmm. And the fact that like they didn't know, right? Like, like you know, I think sometimes people forget. Like sometimes <laughs> the easiest explanation is like yeah. people weren't aware. Like I wasn't aware of that. Right. I wasn't aware of that at all whatsoever. Um, but I think sometimes it's just people didn't know was, mm -hmm. wasn't on the radar. Um, I also think part of it is depending on like maybe they wanted to talk about it, but they can't. And then some people have to make that decision: is right. am I going to fuck up my livelihood right. over this or not? You know, and I think that's a very real decision for a lot of these dudes out here. And as much as let me talk about, and as much as that might compromise, you know, some of the content for some of the things that they don't say, I'm mm -hmm. not going to sit here, sit here and say, like, I, I don't understand that. Mm -hmm. They still got families to feed. They got people to they got people to uh, that they're responsible for. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. but I still think it's a fair I mean, it's a fair critique. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that it's not a fair critique. I just think it's a little bit more complicated than that. And that's not me trying to both sides. Right. No, no. Yeah. That's cool. and, th and that's why I give, uh, I think Rogan is a monster and academics is a monster because I think ne the establishment, mm -hmm. neither one of them can get rid of those two because they built their own base. Mm -hmm. And in fact, both of them have podcasts on Spotify, mm -hmm. but they went to Spotify with their own army already. Mm. And that gave them leverage to kind of deal and get a contract and stuff. But if Spotify dropped Joe Rogan tonight, he's still a monster. Yeah, it wouldn't matter. I don't think that's the case with some of our hip-hop personalities. Like, if I think if Charlamagne got boosted from Power 105, some of those guys disappear. His YouTube channel ain't popping or what's my girl from ESPN Jamel Hill mm. once she got boosted from ESPN I ain't seen her since oh no she's doing well how so she's doing really well nothing she says resonates she got she's been on many different channels she's on the ringer she was on vice with Carrie Champion she mm. just dropped the book yeah. I don't see her here anywhere though was the last time she said anything of value that people discussed well just because well, it depends on here's the thing there you go. Here's here's something here's something, <laughs> here's something I'm gonna say because people do this all the time and it's not and it's not like a critique on you but I I've refrained from doing this right okay. just because I don't see something yes, doesn't mean it's that not it's not it's not being said somewhere yeah. else and I know a lot of people tend to tend to do that or think that but I'm like what's it go but like just because I don't see it like I can't see air but I know that it's in this sure. room and I'm breathing it sure. <laughs> you know so I I always try to like 
when people try to make that type of argument, yeah. I'm always just like, well, just because you didn't see it didn't mean it doesn't, it's not out here. Because I mean, I'm with you. and you just named four things that are pretty big. I mean, like she has that show on Vice with Carrie, Carrie Chamber. I don't know if it's still going. Yeah, it got canceled. It got canceled. But, um, she had that show with Carrie Champion. She had a book. Her book did well, by the way. Mm-hmm. Booked it really, really well. Um, and I know she's probably working on a whole bunch of other. I know that she's working on a whole bunch of other projects. Now, if you're saying like, "Oh, she's not on ESPN or whatnot," I'm like, "Well, yeah, she's not on any any major networks." But here's my here's my thing. I, my argument is she doesn't have her own base. Mm-hmm. She keep running from white man platform to white man platform. ESPN, Ringer, Vice, Spotify. She don't have. She didn't build her own base. So she was given to us by the establishment. ESPN, Joe Rogan, self made. These academics, self made. That's my stance. Yeah. Well, what you're saying is that she didn't. She didn't build her own platform, but she has her own base. She has her own fans. I don't even hear the women talking about her. But I, I got she has, you. T- she has her own fans. <laughs> I, hear plenty, I hear plenty of women talking about her. Yeah. Yeah. Because people want to hear what she has to say now on things that are outside, related to outside of sports. And the craziest part is, is like, she was like, say, I know Jamel Hill back from the sports reporters. Mm-hmm. You remember the sports mm-hmm. reporters? There was like Mike Lupica and all, yeah. all them people. Sunday, <laughs> Sunday morning show, Yeah, right? like yeah. way back in the day. Like, I was like, when I say like, I, I, I used to watch the sports radio thing yeah. and be in the sports world. Like, I, I used to really be in it. And like, people don't realize, I'm like, she was like, not trying to be this political person. She right. was just like a sports nerd. Like for real, for real. Yeah. And and sort of got dragged into the and sort of got dragged into the space. But the truth of the matter is, is though, is like they she wouldn't have gotten that vice show if she didn't have her own base. She wouldn't have gotten the book deal that she got if she if she didn't have her own base. Like she wouldn't have been a best selling author if she didn't have her own base. And and here's the other thing too. Like, I would also I would also say, like, just because she isn't on like these big major platforms anymore, like she's still making her bread out here. So oh, without question, I'm yeah. not I'm not denying it. But when I say a base, like you don't even have to be on a platform, but people hear what you're what you're doing. Like town people like Alex Jones, mm-hmm. uh, what's the dude from Outkick Coverage? Like you I don't consume them, mm-hmm. but it it it, it kind of makes their way to my doorstep. And I'm saying like I'm the end or be all, but if you were in the space, you would at least hear or see a clip of this or that. I don't see nothing from her come up, mm-hmm. man. But I don't I don't wanna hang up on her. Yeah. Josh, you you worked in the hip hop space for a while. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Yeah. What'd you do? You were an engineer. Yeah. So I was an engineer for. Uh, I mean, I'm still an engineer, but I was an engineer. I don't do music anymore. I stopped doing music good like five five years ago, pretty much since I started the studio. But I was an engineer um, in New York City. Interview. Uh, what's it called? I engineer mostly. Mostly independent artists and, and indie artists for the most part. Everything from jazz to rock to hip hop. Uh, I'm pretty sure at some point I told you that uh, like the probably the most famous person I <laughs> I know this is where we were looking to go. <laughs> Bowling. Yeah. So I used to uh, I used to work at Jim Jones's studio uh, and I worked there for about a little under a year. How did uh, that connection come about? Honestly, this is gonna sound real funny, but Craigslist has changed my life many times over. No way. Legitimately. <laughs> I tell this to people all the time. Like Craigslist is also how I got the gig with the studio initially. Uh-huh. Uh Craigslist, I was going I've sold over twenty thousand dollars worth of stuff on Craigslist. Craigslist uh-huh. has got me almost every adult job I've ever had <laughs> in my entire life, which is wild. Yeah. <laughs> which is why I still I will never not Craigslist. But long story short, like I worked there for nine months. Um as like the second engineer, there was a lead engineer at the mm-hmm. studio, um, and I recorded. What's it called? I've recorded a couple of tracks with Jim 
independently, but mostly I worked with him for some compilation stuff he was doing with his, uh, I think they restarted the Bird Gang label, mm -hmm. but I recorded um, a lot of the, for, I, don't, it's gotta, I can't even remember if they actually put it out. Which and I sad. said to you, I, I, I said, yo, you probably got some, some Stack Bundles track somewhere or something. You know, Stacks was, what's it called? I never ended up meeting Stacks. I think he was, uh, I don't think he was around at that mm -hmm. time. Um, I'm trying to remember if he, uh, I don't think he was around at that time. I what's the, was, I think this was after Stacks. What's the coolest session that. you've been a part of? That's a good question. Um, I really didn't enjoy a lot of those sessions about keeping it a buck. Um, why not? Um, there's, uh, there was one artist that I, I, I really did enjoy, enjoy recording. His name was, uh, his name was Bird Gang Shooter. I think it's just his first name. Oh. He mostly just goes by Shooter because mm -hmm. Bird Gang was the, the label. Mm -hmm. um, but I just personally, for for whatever reason, I just kind of it felt everything felt really formulaic to me. Okay. Like we were doing a lot of mixtapes, mm -hmm. and we weren't doing a lot of like original tracks at that time on that studio. And uh, uh, so basically, they were taking you know other dudes' tracks that were on the radio and doing their own versions of it. Okay. And like you know, and and granted, like everybody in there like really did grind. Like a lot of people were in that studio every single night with mm -hmm. me, every single night with me working hard. And I think the thing that I got a little disenchanted with was like, damn, like you. Some of these guys were were were, were decent talents, and right. I just wanted to work more on their original stuff. And I just, I guess, just for whatever reason, during the time I was there, I didn't right. get enough chance to do that. With them, with the mixtapes, you take somebody else's beat, you yeah. put a verse on well, over it. Were, yeah, it's not like cooking up something original, like original album stuff, and that just wasn't it for you. Yeah, that really wasn't it. It just like I just was not really feeling doing that. Um, the only time, like, there was a couple of times where like I brought tracks to people um, who from like producers that I knew that were like you know like some like who weren't on their radar, but were definitely known producers like right. ni like Ninth Wonder stuff, and people were like oh, I never heard this beat before or whatever. And I would bring that and they would, that, like one of those tracks would end up on their mixtape and I'd be like, okay, that was pretty cool. Like to select a track for somebody. And oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that kind of stuff was cool. I'm trying to think about- Did you make your own beats? Yeah, I made my own beats at that time too, actually. I totally, it's crazy. I totally forgot about that. Um, so, cause like, you know, to be honest with you, like every audio engineer, like especially in the hip hop space, <laughs> we all secret producers out yeah. here. Like that's, that's what we're really trying to get to. Right. Um, I knew at the time, like, my stuff really wasn't quite good enough, mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's one thing I've always been honest with myself. And I think it's the reason why, like, I'm kind of good at my, my what's going with the podcasting job, right. is the fact that, like, I, I, I know what's good. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I have a pretty good barometer of what's good, even if it's not for me. Right. Like, I'm, yeah. I, like I know what's good and it just wasn't, wasn't it. But, um, but yeah, I was producing a lot of my st own stuff at that time. And in fact, like, I left the studio to try to strictly focus on my own work and, uh, you know, I mean, I sold a couple beats here and there. Nice. I managed, I managed to, uh, my biggest claim to fame was I got a track selected to play on Bad Girls Club. The track was terrible, by the way. <laughs> like, absolutely hot garbage. Like, not not something that anybody would actually want to listen to. On the television to. show? Yeah, on the television show, yeah. What was that experience like for you? <sighs> I mean, it wasn't much of an experience. It was just like, you know, my, my song was in a, uh, I was in, uh, I had a publisher at the time. Yeah. It was in their catalog, and they selected it, and I ended up getting a $35 check two years later <laughs> wow <laughs> so like yeah so it's it's a pretty unglorious <clears throat> sort of experience um 
you know, selling beats and whatnot and being a producer. And, and that's not to knock it. There are people right. that are great at it and whatnot. And I, I would like to get back to it, but I don't think I would ever choose it as a, as a career path, right. more of as a hobby nowadays. Did you ever have any dealings with the labels? Um, I talked to like a few industry people when I was at the studio just to sort of pick their brains. Because initially, so like my first intern job actually was, this was before the studio, was with uh, uh, this company called Bodog Music. Okay. And um, they pretty much, I think most of their artists were all like these like sort of dated uh, rock bands that were not even, they were relatively popular at a certain point in time, but mm -hmm. a lot of them were sort of like one hit wonders and shit like that. So, um, but I, so like I, I got some label experience working with them for a little bit, just sort of like, this is back when CDs were still mm -hmm. a thing. So like I was like mailing out CDs to different uh uh, different writers and journalists and stuff like that. And I've met a couple of like writers and journalists um, while I was at Jim's studio too. The funny thing is um, they were shooting the first season of Love and Hip Hop while I was there. Wow. And uh, I didn't know what it was for. Cause like when I walked into that studio, man, I just tell you something, bro. <laughs> I saw some wild shit and um, <laughs> You know, I also know I, I, I it's, it's the weirdest thing because like being an audio engineer, you know that nothing is going to happen without you. So right. you are the captain of the ship, but you are also the least important person in the room at the same time. So right. it's like this weird dynamic goes on where it's just like nobody gives a fuck about you. Right. But at the same time, when you're not there, everybody's hitting your phone or everybody's like, you know, if, if anything's going wrong, people need you. So like yeah. you, you're like the most needed person in the room, but also the least respected in some regards. Right. <laughs> so but like I remember walking in there and I had no idea what's going on. Like I get off in the elevator. It was a really nice studio. So like you get off the elevator, you walk directly. You're in like the the main lobby or lounge or whatever right. where you step off in there. And it was just like lights and cameras. I had no idea what was going on. People were yelling at me because I was getting in the middle of the shot. <laughs> and I just I was trying to walk to my engineer's chair, my desk or whatever. And um and it was like that for like a good, I want to say like month or two while I was there. Yeah. Nobody, nobody really told me what was going on until like the second week I was there. They're like, oh yeah, they're filming something. Um, you know, and somebody was someone I can't remember who was telling me. It was like some uh, some label some label person uh, was telling me that it was just like yeah, we're we're they're trying something out. Hopefully, hopefully it'll work. And yeah. then like you know, boom, boom. Like did you uh, did any of those scenes ever make it to that first season? Um, I think my elbow got <laughs> <laughs> got into one scene. My uh, what's it called? The lead engineer Wayne, who was like. He was pr pretty much the only mentor I've had during this entire journey yeah. um, uh, as an audio engineer. Uh, he was called, I think he wound up being in a few scenes and I was really happy to see him because like he, he taught me like, he really, really taught me like how to like work efficiently mm -hmm. as an engineer. And like, I just saw like how he moved and how he operated and I was just always really impressed by that. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah, the key. So I ended up seeing him in some scenes and stuff like that, and I thought that was really dope. But, um, um, but yeah, yeah. But no, there was like, but most of the most of the stuff that made it to air yeah. was, is light compared to what actually you would see in the studio. Not that not to say like every day was something crazy or anything mm -hmm. like that, but like the conversations and the things that were talked about, um, and the things that happened, uh, things that I saw in the studio were you know 
some of the things I've like, I've got stories for, I've got stories for day, but I'm, days, but I'm also like, some of those are things I, I have to unfortunately keep a little. Time. Oh yeah, for sure. I bet <laughs> I wasn't going to ask you a, a, a hip hop studio, New York city, yeah. dip, dip set. Like, no, nah, yeah. I, I wasn't, I don't even want to be in the room when you tell some of those stories, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. But did you see recently Meek Mill said he made $11 million over his 10 plus years in the music business? Only $11 million? That's not surprising. How does that happen if you're standing next to Rick Ross, Jay-Z? Like, only generated 11 million, as many hits, as many uh, places have we seen Meek Mill. Like, he should have been or made mm-hmm. way more money in that industry. Got a lot of people to pay. Got a lot of people to pay. There's a lot of people who, I mean, I, I'm not one who's going to say I'm an expert in contracts. I've seen, I've seen <laughs> artist contracts before, so I'm not completely... Uh, I'm not completely uh, unaware uh, of of certain things, but I will say it's just like there's just when you are when you are part of the, you know one of these major labels mm-hmm. and you get put into the machine, you get the notoriety. But with that become with that comes so there's so many people to pay. There's just so many people to pay from PR P- PR people to managers to their teams. You know what I'm saying? All those people are eating off of what you're doing. And the truth of the matter is, like, you know, you know, you hear like a lot of people like, you know, there's this debate, you know, sort of still going on where it's like, should I just remain independent or Mm -hmm. should I try to get on the marketing machine and and try to go that route? And I see people sort of doing both. You know, once you reach a certain status, it's like, you know, like some people will try to do a one off album with a label to try Mm -hmm. to get them to really blow them up to a level where they might not be able to do it themselves. Mm -hmm. But then go back to being independent at that point because it's like, okay, I used the machine to get my name out there, and now I'm just going to be in, sort of independent from here on out. Um, but it's really not surprising to me because it's just when you, when you have that machine behind you, it's a lot, it costs a lot. But when I see somebody like Meek Mill say he only made $11 million, but you were standing next to Ross, you were in a Rock Nation, they actually just parted ways. Mm. These are supposed to be guys that protect you and make sure you get what you deserve. But are they really, though? And that's messed up. But are they really, though? So our own people are signing us to these same bad deals they got signed to. Yeah, and the truth of the matter is that might not even... It might not even be their intention. but But the truth of the matter is, is like... It might not. What's it called? They might. That might not be their intention. Like I don't necessarily believe that there's something nefarious going on by by Ross or by Rock Nation mm-hmm. or any or any of the people that are, are are quote unquote involved or anything like that. It's just that in order to make the kind of money that you think that they're making, you just have to be. I don't know. I don't even know if it's possible to produce at that level. You know, if saying? I went through a bad deal, I'm not going to sign my I'm boy to that same bad deal. Like, give me the deal you would give your son or whatever it is. Like, well, here's the other thing too. Like, the the artists that that might have been like, oh, you should come sign with so and so. They also are not the person. They're not the people that are always the people that are actually executing the deal. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? How? So, uh, what's what's that? Explain that to me, please. Like. Like, for example, like if Ross, like if Ross is on a label, right? Yeah. And he's just like, he's like, if Ross has a, a deal that he believes is working for him. Here's the other thing, too. I don't think all these dudes know 
some people believe they have a good deal and don't realize that they mm. don't have a good deal, <laughs> you know, mm. and they can, they will tell people to, Hey, hop on board this train. Cause it's, it's looking good out here for me. Mm. And then later on you find out five, 10 years later that they didn't actually have a good deal. But if right. you told five other people that you should hop on this train with me, yeah, then all of them are going to be, all of them are also going to be, you know, subject to these same, bad deals but you got rick rose buying cows and he's showing us how he owned a van the holyfield's house and meek mill said he don't know how much money he made off his last album that's crazy the first time i seen this in the music industry was years ago with the locks and p diddy mm. that's in the 90s josh how are we still here that's crazy and i bring that up because <clears throat> i want to ask you how come my favorite podcasts keep breaking up we already mentioned Joe Budden. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mav Hoffa had a little split recently. Mm. I Am Athlete with Brandon Marshall. They broke up, and then we got the Pivot Podcast. Why do some of our favorite podcasts end up having a split? See, I also I also see this a little bit differently, too. Go and, for it. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why. They had a good run. All those, all those shows had a good run. If you really think about it, if you separate it from podcasting for a second, right? Yes, sir. How long does the average show last? Like TV show last, what, two two, se two seasons if you're lucky. You know what I'm saying. All the places, all the all the people you just named had pretty good runs. Mm -hmm. And there's thing is, there's always going to be something that ends up breaking up a show. Like there's just there's just is there's always so many factors. And the truth of the matter is, like you know, if something goes on for ten years, fifteen mm -hmm. years, you have to understand like that's not the norm. Right. The norm is you barely get through one season like mm -hmm. you get the norm is you get canceled after one season to be completely honest with you shit if you make it to season two you've probably beat the odds by like you know mm -hmm. you you already are already in like the top 20 percent you mm -hmm. know so when i see when i see these things happen they're not surprising to me because even even though if something is good and it's working, mm -hmm. all it takes is for one person to have a change of heart, something to happen in their life, circumstances change, somebody gets a little bit greedy, somebody, you know, there could be a million different mm -hmm. reasons for why a show stops working. You know, the mm -hmm. producer of the show, maybe they were the person that was really the engine behind it. You know, yeah. all these could be reasons why a show. But with those shows specifically, it seems to be all the same case, money. You yeah. know, and you mentioned like shows... They're not meant to last forever. Joe Budden, they went on a little run. Mm -hmm. You know, they they had their Spotify deal that came to an end. Math Hoffa was just, he ain't hit his stride yet. Mm -hmm. I am athlete. I feel like they were still in the early stages. They yeah, still had yeah. a lot of greatness ahead of them. Mm -hmm. Like, yo, why can't our brothers stay down, stay connected? Yeah, I think that's a, and to be honest with you, I don't even think that's so much a, uh, even a like a black thing mm -hmm. i think that's just i think i see that across the board right like, you know i see that with all shows period you know and i have this perspective because i've seen plenty of podcasters who have come through my studio mm -hmm. who you know um regardless of you know what they look like what their backgrounds are you know they split up for all kinds of all kinds of reasons mm -hmm. like literally and and money is a frequent money is a frequent one and i think it's a thing that a lot of people are afraid to talk about money in the beginning or yeah. they just be like, or they just go off the strength of the fact that like, Oh, we know each other when the money comes, we'll get it all figured out. <laughs> right. And that's most people, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like that's most people. And the truth is that's something you, you'll want to get figured out before, mm -hmm. before. And to be honest with you, sometimes it, it, it stops a podcast from even getting started because people, when you start talking about money, people start all of a sudden start to get real sensitive about mm -hmm. certain things. 
But those are conversations that need to be had, I would say, before. And I, and I also think that even when you do have those conversations before, when the money g gets really rolling and looks different, all mm -hmm. of a sudden it might not be what you guys agreed to in the beginning might not be working for somebody anymore. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the money thing is it's a, it's a tricky thing. You know, it always is and it always will be. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of like reasons why people break up, there's just a million and one reasons why. There's just always will be. I'm sure it happens everywhere, you know what I'm saying? But I, I do think being uh, a black man contributes to what we've seen. Mm -hmm. And that's why I brought it up right after the uh, the record industry and the contracts. I think it is the I think it is a lack of leadership mm. on the hands of Brandon Marshall, Mav Hoffa, and Joe Budden. Mm. You know, um in our culture, there's so much emphasis on being the boss. Mm. Like that's the cool seat to stay. I'm the boss. I'm controlling everything. I, I don't want to control my friends. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So if you standing here telling the world that you the boss, you got the money Essentially, you're diminishing the seat that your friend is sitting in, right? Mm. But if you are a leader, hey, guys, this is, this is my podcast, but I'm going to help you get to where you need to get to mm. so we can all be on equal footing. You know what I'm saying? And I think that nigga culture, yo, I'm the boss, yo, I'm in the club, I'm popping the bottles. What that mean about my man behind me who ain't got the bottle money? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. ultimately, you are diminishing these people, son. Yeah. And... We need better leadership. And it's probably because we've been conditioned to just fight and scrape for the little resources that we have. So when a nigga gets something, it's like he poking his chest out. I ain't going anywhere without my, my people. Mm. Now, WBH Radio, we get some money. My mm. friends know they ain't getting a goddamn dime. It's mine, right? <laughs> they know, But absolutely, I'm going to turn to them and ask, how can I help you get to where you need to get to? Mm. You know what I'm saying? That's why you see me do my WBH Radio. But... In my man's organization, Loyal to the Game, the podcast we actually recorded at yeah, your place. Yeah, I remember them. I'm a servant. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, we could all have our own and be our own castle. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I don't want to climb on your back and then take all the money and run. And I think that's what's, what's going on at these places, man. Think, lack of leadership. I think you may, I think you really hit on an important point there. Um, because like the, the thing I definitely agree with is like I think the shows that get the longest run are the people who have the least amount of egos, mm. you know, because I think the, the more inclusive and the more you're willing to share, mm. um, you know, amongst, you know, whether it's your co-host, your team or whatever. I tend to believe that those are the those are the shows that tend to last a really long time. Mm. Like, um, you know, I just I, I, the, the, I think that you'll probably see a trend like that for any show that that's mm. really around for a long time. The only thing I, the only thing I will push back on just a little bit is just the fact that like I don't and this just comes from like a unique perspective that I have is like I go like, for it. And the thing is I kind of already said it, but like I I don't think these I think the I think part of the trick, and mm -hmm. this is like how I feel like about like how black people feel about themselves right. is that sometimes we believe that the things that that are happening in the black community mm -hmm. are unique to, to the, the black, black community. community, and as someone that have really you know, I, I have, you know, I grew up in a, what's it called? You probably don't know this. Or I may, like, I grew up in the suburbs, yeah. like, around white people. And the thing that's always boggled my <laughs> mind is, don't get me wrong, like, yeah, there's, there's lots of cultural differences. Yeah. But what blows my mind is, like, the things that people think that are unique to their culture are, I'm like, nah, man, they're, like, they're unique to, to, they're not unique to your culture. Right. Like, they everybody feels this way. These things happen mm -hmm. in pretty much every culture 
that I've been around, mm -hmm. like, you know. So when it comes to like those sorts of like, you know, disagreements and things yeah. and whatnot, like why can't we build together and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, I think there are systemic reasons to yeah. why we can't build together, like both mentally and politically and all these other reasons. I'm like, I'm not trying to say that that doesn't exist because right. I 100 percent know that that exists. And anybody who wants to say it doesn't exist, like come fight me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but at the same time, like uh, at the same time, I, I think sometimes we, we like to think that the issues that we have are so unique to us but like i see them yeah. with with everybody i think a lot of these things some of these things are just human human nature or things that we that everybody sort of goes through for sure for sure um josh give us the key man how do you uh how you make money in this podcast we waiting come on so the key is there's two really two keys if you're talking about the podcast game, yes, the number one thing, like I always tell people, there's two general keys. Number one is consistency, mm -hmm. and the other thing is engagement. Mm -hmm. And I guess you could say the third key is content. And they're all they're all pretty much all equally important. Mm -hmm. Consistency is really simple. You just got to be keep putting out content uh, on a regular basis, right? Because I always tell this to people. I'm just like, look, if you're putting out content on a Tuesday. And then you, three weeks later, you're putting content out on a Wednesday. And then two mm -hmm. months from now, you're putting out an episode. And I'm just like, no one knows when to look for you with that. Right. And the truth is, like, human beings were very routine-based. You yes, know what so. I'm saying? Like, when you, when you really like something, you're going to know when it, you want to know when is the next thing coming, you mm -hmm. know? And if you know that everything is coming out every Wednesday at, at 5 p.m. or something like that, you're going to be there knowing mm -hmm. that it's going to be there. So... Consistency is very, very key. And then just in terms of like marketability, like just on the internet, like the SEO, like the more videos you have out, the more content you have out, you just become easier to find that mm -hmm. way. Um, the other thing I said was engagement. Right. So like engagement is many layers to engagement, but engagement is one of those things that everybody in marketing is talking about right now. Engagement, right. engagement, engagement. Engagement is just simply interacting with your audience in some way, shape or form. Right. So audience interaction takes place. Like, you know, we talked about like how you can talk to the audience indirectly through the conversation. Cause right. like, you know, in that example, like I said, that Joe Budden does that a lot. And then you were talking about like how you throw questions out to people and stuff mm -hmm. like that. That's you talking to the audience directly um, and stuff like that. Those two things are very, very important in the podcast. Uh, I would even say the more indirect is more important because it's it's much more subtle. Okay. Like you're not actually, you're, it's like you're addressing the audience, but you're not talking directly to them. And mm -hmm. you can do that. The reason why I say the indirectly is more important because you can do that like almost all the time throughout right. the conversation and it never feels like you're interrupting the flow of anything mm -hmm. versus when you do it directly it's almost more of like a call to action right. sort of thing where you're posing a question and you want to get a response back from people you also want to make sure that you're engaging with people outside of your podcast as well so like for example what's it called you want to make sure that you are engaging with them comments on social media i i believe that the best the best parts of social media is actually through the comments and the dms and not so much through the posting because okay. like you can have real you can you can actually really talk to your audience figure out what they like what they don't like um it's called and build real relationships mm -hmm. and the reason why like and some people might be looking at that and say like well that takes a lot of time to do but the truth of the matter is like i'd rather have 200 for lack of better words i'm gonna, i'd rather have 200 people that really fuck with me than a million people that aren't going to for lack of better, I'd rather have 200 people that are willing to buy something from right. me than a thousand, than a million people that are just here for the moment. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, you got your stuff rocking, you rolling. What does the money look like in the podcasting? Is it we waiting to get a deal from Spotify, Apple, see, or the other methods already, to get to the best? See, that's the mentality. Don't wait. Okay. Don't wait. Like the truth of the matter is, is like you don't like. For example, I just, I just, I'm actually working on the first sort of collab podcast with a junior producer from Sirius XM. We're working on a podcast that's called The Aesthetic. It's the reexamination of the video vixen, like Melissa Ford and, okay. and like, you know, the hip hop video models from the late 90s and early right. 2000s and sort of reexamining, not really doing a documentary about them, but sort of reexamining what their larger impact actually was on mm -hmm. society because a lot of it has gone under wraps or a lot of people don't even acknowledge that that they helped push so many things forward like sex positivity, mm -hmm. uh, what's it called? Uh, there's definitely more black women and body types now. Mm -hmm. uh, you see both in regular forms of modeling. Uh, they change so much. There's so many people that are trying to look like them and don't even know that that's who they're actually trying to look like. Right. Um, but I say all that to say, like, I just got a, what's it called? I just got a sponsor with them. I haven't even put out, we haven't put out any episodes yet. Wow. We have no episodes. We're, we're doing a scripted podcast, so it's a limited six part series. Right. But I got a sponsorship and we haven't put out any episodes. How'd you secure that? How do I secure that? I, I literally leveraged, and this is something I tell people all the time. You have to leverage what you have, what, what are the best things that you can offer. Mm -hmm. So how I was able to leverage that was, so I knew, I picked a product, right? It's a product that I know. It's, it's a local, somebody who's local here to New York. Um, he makes a really, he makes, in my opinion, the best moisturizer on the planet. Like I was, I was, I found, I know it sounds crazy, <laughs> but he makes the best lotion. It's the best lotion I've ever used, bro. Like hands down. Right? So this is a product you personally use. I personally use it. Right. right. I bought it randomly at a, at a, at a night market. Right. And I was like, oh, this is fire. Like you can use it for your face. You can use it for your body. You can put it in your beard. Like it's good. Like it's just one of the most amazing products. It makes my daily morning routine that much better. Shout out to Bator, by the way. Free plug. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I was like, but what I was thinking was I wanted to pair. I think sometimes people will take a sponsorship deal from, from anywhere. And granted, like if someone's willing to give you a bag, like don't, I'm not trying to tell you don't take a, don't take a bag. Right. But what I wanted to do was I was like, okay, this is very much a podcast that centers around blackness and black women. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, that's a black owned business. What's it called? That's makes a product that, you know, not to say white people out here need to moisturize too, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I, I I thought that that would be a good fit based on the audience that I believed that we were going to have. Right. I leveraged the fact that, hey, I'm Broken Podcasting Studio. We've been out here for a little bit of time. In case you don't know, we're a little bit, I wouldn't say that we're famous, but we're relatively infamous. Yeah. You know, like we do work with all kinds of, you know, the thing I love is like we have a range of people that we work with from the average Joe to the New York Times, NPR, like, you know, yeah. we've worked with Nike, like I've, we've done projects with lots and lots of big companies. Um, and so I have that name. The the producer, let's go, the producer, um, uh, the junior producer at Sirius XM, she can say, that looks pretty good in a pitch to say like, hey, we're working, working with a junior producer from Sirius XM. Um, and one of the things I also told them too, was that, and this is something that, this is like a free tip I'm gonna give you right now. This is a free tip. The one thing that people don't know, like the one thing I like to do is go after sponsors who are particularly, they have, I think they have some money to spend, but they're not the biggest sponsor in the world. Okay. And they probably have never done podcast advertising before. The thing that most people don't know about podcast advertising is that the podcast ads perform a lot better than TV and radio ads. Um, 
by a lot. And the reason, and part of that reason why is because those, those ads are going to live in the podcast forever, unless you're going to take the time to take them out, which nobody ever does. Right. So when people, as new people come and discover you, if they want to check out your back catalog, they're going to be hearing those ads years after you've years yeah. after you've uh, put that podcast out. So even if the podcast doesn't really hit right away, you know, when it initially releases and everything like that, you can definitely it's like oh, you can still be getting people who will be experiencing that ad for for essentially for as long as you're willing to pay for hosting, you know. Yeah. But, you know. So. This is a conversation you had with the business owner. So I told him that. Yeah. So I didn't. I, so I put that as part of my as part of my pitch. I let people know because the truth is, like a lot of these smaller, you know, smaller companies, they're not gonna. A lot of them have never done podcast advertising right. before. So sometimes you need to not only just talk about what you have to offer, but what, but why this form of advertising yeah. can be very beneficial. Right. Is because that like appeal to their self interest, yeah, yeah, not just yo. I need a bag. Help a brother out. Yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> I'm just like, hey, you can pay me. Let's just you, let's just say a thousand dollars, right? You can pay me a thousand dollars. You can pay a thousand dollars for TV and radio. It'll be there for for what a week, two weeks, mm -hmm. three weeks if you're lucky, depending upon what it is or whatever. This is going to be in there for life. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like lifetime advertising. It's a one-time payment for a thousand dollars. Yeah, you know. So that's something that I always tell people. I'm like, look, if you go after some of these smaller. Um, but like I said, you kind of have to think about, you want to align yourself with, you, you, you see all the things I did here. I tried to figure out what would my audience like, yeah. my potential audience like. I want to link them with a product that I actually think that they're going to want to buy. Sure. Because I don't want a short-term relationship. Nope. I want a long-term relationship. Mm -hmm. Like before I started the studio, I, got a, uh, I, oh, it's I produced a pretty big show called The Human Experience. I don't think it's I don't think it's going on anymore. But we averaged like on a bad week we averaged twelve thousand listens. On a good week we averaged like a hundred thousand listens. Well, nice. Right? So like we we did numbers. And the funny thing is, a lot of people, a lot of these experts that are that have been on like Rogan's podcast, they were on that podcast like nice. five ten years ago. Nice. But the reason why what's up, the reason why I want to point this out is like I was able to get us a sponsorship with uh, I think it was Casper, like Casper mattress, Mat yep. yeah, Casper mattresses, and. Uh, we ended up getting, um, I guess I shouldn't say the dollar amount, a decent amount of money for us who, who we weren't, um, who weren't, we weren't getting any revenue at the time at all whatsoever. Right. We weren't even trying, right? Um, but what we did, what what I did was, um, the reason why that the, that deal was not as good as I uh, as it initially looked is it took us forever to get paid. And we were dealing with a bigger, like we had to deal with a uh, an ad revenue company that was sort of like the middleman yeah. in between us and Casper. And it took us like two years to get paid. Wow. Like, or like maybe like, maybe not two years, maybe like a full year to get all of the money mm -hmm. to get paid for that. And it was just a lot of hassle. And if I think about it now, like, you know, that, you know, initially when we're thinking like, oh, we're getting this much money. Oh, it's great. But if I think about how much time and effort that I had to put in to get the end bag of that right. money, like it wasn't worth it. Mm. Whereas I can deal with somebody a little bit smaller, not get as not get as much money. But and and the truth of the matter is, the 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 Casper mattresses wasn't really quite the fit for right. our, for our audience. Right. So I I'm after the long term relationship, not the short term, mm. even if it means taking less money up front. What was the biggest reservation for that sponsor? The one you got now where the podcast hasn't even been released? My biggest reservation? like The, the business's biggest reservation. 
Oh, they didn't. They didn't have any reservation. Oh, like they, their. I mean, their reservation obviously is just like, um, you know, like any business. Just like, why should I? Why should I spend this mm -hmm. money? I leveraged, but I, I leveraged also beyond just doing. Oh yeah, this is another important thing. Their biggest reservation was probably, you know, like how many people are going to be watching sure. this? How many people are going to be seeing this? Like that's everybody's. That's everybody's reservation. And I had no numbers to show them. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I had no numbers to show them at all. But one of the things that I did is you, you have to leverage what you have. So I have a studio. Yes, sir. And I said, you know, I thought outside. I always, I'm always big on thinking outside the box. So you can sell people ads, right? And there's different kinds of ads you could sell them. That's the standard. That's what people normally are, would probably guess. Like, okay, we'll be, we're selling advertising to them. I also said, you know what? On top of that, what can I leverage? I was just like, well, between me and my producer, we had a decent social media following. I'm like, why don't we do a sponsored post for you as well? Mm -hmm. On top of that, uh, I actually have a really nice email list, really, really nice email list. I was like, why don't we leverage that? I was like, why don't I include a blurb with the link? And we add that as a, as part of the pack. Like I have different packages yeah. for what you want to get in terms of like what you want to pay for. Right. Why don't we leverage that? All right. And then the other thing is I have a studio and I said, you know what? Why well, I'd also film a commercial for you guys. Wow. Why don't we leverage that? And I can make it look really good. So right. that's what I, so I always tell people, think outside the box. Mm -hmm. What is it that you can offer that sponsor mm -hmm. that would be of benefit to them and include that in your podcast package beyond just the ads? Nice. And those are some, those are some ways to think outside the box. That's that, those are the ways where I tell people like, this is still for quote unquote, the wild west, because yeah. you can really create and cre to be honest with you, like you can do this in any other area too, to be honest, doesn't yeah, yeah, to, anything doesn't, yeah. doesn't have to be podcasting, but I just tell people like, look, you can get more creative than beyond the ads. It's what is it? Can you, if you're feeling like, you know, you, if you're feeling like, Oh, I don't have anything, you know, to, off offer. to offer. I'm like, yeah, you do. You do. You, do. you, do. you just, just got to find it. You just got to find you it. You know what I'm saying? We don't have to wait for Apple or Spotify. Like you can, create some business some magic mm. right here you know and that is a great opportunity mm. it could be overwhelming too but it is a great opportunity and people should accept that what do you make of patreon i think patreon is a very very good service my only thing that i have about this is not like a reservation i have about mm -hmm. patreon i think patreon's great right mm. I think Patreon is great because I believe you should take a multi-pronged approach to how you end up funding your podcast. Right. Because I think like there's, I think if it were me, I'm looking for sponsors. I'm also looking to get a crowdfund, which is what Patreon is. Um, and I'm all, let's go. And I'm also looking to make money through doing a deal like a Spotify deal. Now there, are, the other thing people also don't realize is there's other networks outside of Spotify sure. and the ones that are a lot smaller, where you can still make some money. Mm -hmm. Like you know. Would you like to get five hundred dollars a month for your podcast? Hello. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's. I mean, I know some people would be like, "Well, that wouldn't. That's not. That's not gonna. Uh, that's not gonna. You know, pay my mortgage or right. anything like that." But hell, you, you you're coming from zero. You yes, know what sir. I'm saying? Most people want to be able to do this to at least to just cover the cost. Yes, sir. And and five hundred dollars would go a long way, wouldn't? Yes, it? sure so, would. I say all that to say that Patreon, I think, is really good. At, it's good. They've created a really, really nice, easy to use service for how to crowdfund for your most ardent fans. The only thing the only thing I say to that though is that Patreon takes a cut. I don't know what that cut is right. of what it's called of whatever, you know, you're getting from your fans. All Patreon essentially is is a members only site. Yes. And in today's day and age on Wix or Squarespace, you can create a members only site on yourself by mm -hmm. yourself. Like you don't necessarily need to do it and it's not 
that difficult to do. Mm-hmm. And um, so in my opinion, I if it were me, you know, there's nothing wrong with having Patreon because they do have a like they've made it look really clean. really nice it's very easy to use people are familiar with it already so i'm not trying to say that there's no point in 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 doing it but if it were me i think i might want to try to do it on my own and just create my own members only site if i'm being if i'm being completely honest i was on patreon for a while Mm. it was pretty good for Mm. me you know uh you can put Mm. exclusive videos back there via youtube you know, you get like a monthly subscription. You can create different pay scales and give mm-hmm. members different access. Mm-hmm. Like $5, you get one episode a month. $10, you get two episodes a month. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty cool. I shut it down after my grandfather passed because I felt like now that I'm taking people's money, like I got to deliver, deliver. And since I was kind of sporadic, I said, man, y'all uh, cancel the Patreon. You know what I'm saying? But one thing I'm not sure, if you put a YouTube video back there mm-hmm. and your member shares it, like they could share it and people will get access to it for free. My understanding. I don't think that's the case. Mm. I don't think that they're able to do that. Um, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Like I've seen the back end of it, but obviously I'm not a person who who's doing I don't like I don't have a podcast of right. my own. Like I'm working on this one right now, but that's not going to be like because it's a limited six part series, like we're not doing a Patreon. Right, right, right. So right. it wouldn't make it doesn't make sense for us. They but. do they do take some money. I forget how much it I need to be better when it comes to monitoring money. They do take a percentage. It, it wasn't too bad. Yeah. Uh what like, are, I think it's like I'm not like I'm not trying to trash them. I think yeah. it's I think it's worth it based on the the ease of use, the flexibility and like the they really have from my understanding, really perfected how to make something, how to you to allow the user of it to make it very customizable yes. to whatever you want mm-hmm. for whatever you want to be your exclusive content and the type of plans you want to make for people, and they've also made it very easy for the fans yeah. to to essentially be able to find you and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you can do a lot of things. You can yeah. do a video. You can do audio. You can do written yeah. posts. It is pretty cool. But I, I have shut that down. Now I'm doing. YouTube membership. Mm. You seen that? Yeah. What's it called? The, the YouTube membership, I think, is... And I think YouTube, if I'm being honest, they're... What's it called? They're putting a lot of time, money, and effort into making... That's something I actually am kind of excited about. But I also have some trep- I have some trepidation about just because I feel like YouTube... <sighs> In the same YouTube, in the same way as I also have trepidation about Spotify too, and a lot of these platforms, how they take advantage of content creators, like like in the worst ways. But how so? They take advantage of content creators because, like, they like the the amount of like I don't feel like they're paying out what mm-hmm. what you, you know I don't feel like they're paying out what content creators deserve, mm-hmm. like just point blank period. Like I just don't and. The numbers sort of bear that out. I mean, there's been, I mean, you, there's been more than enough YouTubers that have talked about like I've had a million views on X, Y, and Z video, and this yeah. is how much I made. Yeah. You know, so that that's the, that's the part that frustrates me. That's the part that frustrates me about it. And of course, their whole their whole thing is like, you know, like so many other things. Well, well, our platform is free. Yeah. You know. So, but you know what the YouTube membership is behind a paywall. Yeah, I know the YouTube membership yeah. is a paywall. So that so I am excited about that though. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about the fact that they finally I mean, I feel like it took forever, but they finally have like their own like podcast tab that now like uh allows you to um uh what's it called? Essentially um What's it called? Instead of like finding podcasts randomly through yeah. searching or categories or something like that, boom, here's a whole podcast 
tab that you can give yeah. you a whole bunch of podcasts of what's trending and in mm. different categories and stuff like that. I felt like that's that was needed long ago, and yeah. I feel like that only got introduced what last last year. Yeah. YouTube, I believe, takes more money than Patreon does. Oh yeah, I mean, I think I would probably venture to guess so. <laughs> but I don't have as many members on YouTube as I did on Patreon. Mm. I kind of push the Patreon more. And the YouTube is rather new. But I do think it's easier for people to watch a clip and then become a member because it's the same website. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think people were a little turned off of watching a YouTube clip and I had a Patreon link and then they have to go to a different. Yeah, uh, it makes it a lot that, more, makes it a lot, lot easier that way. And uh, I, 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 I went to Patreon actually after Joe Budden be, went to Patreon mm. and uh, he he has some position over there, CEO of content or something or culture or something. I don't know what it is. But I see guys now posting Patreon exclusive videos to YouTube or what was once a Patreon exclusive video to YouTube. Yeah, people do that. But they do it after, typically people do it after an extended period of yeah. time. Like, well, they'll be like, okay, we had this Patreon exclusive yeah. that we did. It was for six, you know, we did, we put it out six months ago. Yeah. And the thing is, it's like, it, it, I mean, hell, I would do the same. I would do the same thing. And to be honest with you, your Patreon audience doesn't really care. They don't get mad because they got to see it first. first they right. got to see it first. And that's really what mm -hmm. they're paying for is that is exclusivity or the ability to see something first. And that's my struggle as a content creator, right? I, I do this two hour podcast. Mm. I release a 20-minute clip to YouTube mm. trying to get people to become a member and stuff. But I want the world to see my whole podcast. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like it's behind this paywall for only a limited group of people. You know what I'm saying? And how long do I hold on to it before I release it to the whole public? So, I mean, it's I mean, you could, you could hold on to it for any period of time that you want, I right. think. Um, I think once you, I think, I think the easiest answer to that is how many people are in your Patreon or how many people are in your Patreon and then see how many views get, you got on mm -hmm. the video or how many people actually watched and viewed the video. Mm -hmm. Um, and once you get, once you feel like most of those people watched <laughs> view the video, then I'm going to put it out. <laughs> I mean, Straight up. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of how, that's kind of how I feel about it. I mean, the timing on when you put it out could be a, due to a bunch of different factors. Like let's say, uh, lack of better words, uh, Let's say, for example, you interviewed somebody that was some famous black historian yeah. or something like that six months ago or so. Uh -huh. You had it on your Patreon. <clears throat> Maybe you might just save it for February to put it out during Black History Month. So there could be True. like t be tons of reasons True. about when, when and why you want to release something. Like, yeah. um, but to me, like it's a it, any I would think of it anything that I put as a Patreon exclusive is eventually going to also be a piece of content that I'm going to be out. Like I really wouldn't treat them that differently. Yeah. It's just that one of these things is going to be one of these things. Uh, you know, I'm going to put it behind a paywall because I feel there's something extra special about it. But right. eventually, it should all it should all end up being uh, be out there. In my opinion, that's my struggle too. Because a lot of times with these podcasts, I like the way. I want it to be viewed as a whole. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to clip people to death. Yeah. What, what was, who was it? Erica Badu. She says, I'm an artist and I'm serious about my shit. Yeah. Like, I, I, when I put this out, I want people to know Josh Wilcox, he ain't just the owner and operator of the Brooklyn Podcaster Studio. He was the guy behind the scenes on my podcast. You know what I'm saying? I was one of his first clients. I want us, 
I want people to know that he was in hip hop too. I don't want to just give him a little piece of us talking about Joe Rogan. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, and the truth of the matter is, like, I'm I'm with you on this. Like, I I much prefer to, you know, if I was creating content, I mean, it's really no different than an artist. Like, I don't want you to listen to one song. I want you to listen to a whole album. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, but I just think in today's day and age, like, with so much content being out there, with people's attention spans only getting shorter. Yeah. I think you sort of have to definitely put out the long form content, but don't get offended if people don't watch the whole thing or consume the whole thing. Because the truth of the matter is, it's just that because people's attention spans are getting shorter, yeah, you just kind of have to make sure that you're meeting them where they're at. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is too, is like when you're repurposing, when you're repurposing your long form content, when you're creating like these clips, they, they can do so much for you, not just in the, not just in like in the marketing department, because I, I, I also kind of feel like the they can help market your podcast, but it's also to let people know who maybe already, you know, people who already know you mm -hmm. to let them know that you have new content that's out. Yeah, because I think a lot of times people don't talk about like people are always thinking about like, oh, I need to get more people, more people. Mm -hmm. But you also need to make sure that you are also maintaining the audience that you currently what have. And I think and I think the clips help with that. Um, but I just think the 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 more repurposing of the of your content, the better, mm -hmm. um, because it also helps you out. And it also helps you out in the sense of this way too. like, for example, like if I were you like, if it, like if I were you, like I would also try to find like I'm a big fan of right now of people who do like compilation videos of of stuff that they've already recorded in yeah. past episodes. So like let's say you had um, uh, 10 wildest sports opinions from, right. from people that you had on. Right. right. Um, that let's go. That could do so many things. A, it's another piece of content you can put out. B, marketing wise, right? Let's say you had a whole bunch of big name, like of those ten people, you had a whole bunch of big names. Let's go. Big names or not, like right. it doesn't even matter. But essentially, you can put all those names in the title and take advantage of the SEO of all of those names at once, as opposed to one at a time. That's a great point. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Like for example, like if I was doing a music podcast, and let's just say for example, I had a I had an interview with Hove, Kanye, uh, what's it called, Meek Mill, yeah. Tory Lanes. You know, I had all I had four different interviews. Instead of just having the Tory Lanes clip, I could make a compilation, and at the top, what's called, in my title for this is just like uh, best clips, including Kanye and, and all those people in there. That what's it called? That's something that's going to do really good SEO numbers because you're yeah. essentially you are taking advantage of everybody everybody that you've you've interviewed yeah so. that's a great point man yeah. i should start to put that together and i realize with the clip sometimes you can get like you might put out a two-hour podcast you could only put one title yeah and it doesn't encompass everything that you've discussed exactly. but when you do the clips and i say oh we talk about will smith and chris rock slap and then you put out another clip like sometimes the numbers be going up mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying you start to get different uh viewership like if I if I would just put out the whole thing, it would be a sports podcast. It wouldn't get the shade room group that may want to hear me talk about Will Smith and Chris Rock slap. Mm. So you know what I'm saying breaking it down those little pieces has been beneficial. And another thing I learned about uh, from Joe Budden, and you mentioned it. If you only get 200 views, only 200 views, that's not a bad thing. It, if you could get 200 people to spend 12 dollars a month. That's what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's that's 100% what I'm saying. I'm just like, it's not the quantity. It's the quality yeah. of the audience. Like the quality of your, like if you have 200, if you only get 200 views, but you have 200 views, but then you have 70 comments on those yeah. 200 views. You know what I'm saying? That means that the people that watch, they really, really rocking, rocking with you. Mm -hmm. Like they really, really care about what you have going on. 
that is something that's way more powerful than getting a million views and one comment. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? It shows that the people that really tuned into this are really all about this. And those are people that are there for you. Mm -hmm. They're they're, they're loyal, ardent followers. Like, and the truth of the matter is, you know, I think a lot of people think like, I need a million people. And I'm not trying to say, yes, try to get as many people as you possibly can. I'm not trying to say, don't do that. But what I'm trying to say is that you don't need as many, you don't need a million people. You really only need a couple hundred. Yeah. You really only maybe need a hundred. Maybe you only need seventy five. Yeah. Because I like like because if you have a Patreon, for example, you have seventy five people. They pay ten dollars a month. That's seven hundred and fifty dollars a month. Yes, sir. That's not chump change. Not at all. That's not chump change. Like you not know. Not at all. So I, I, I that's why I try to tell people. I'm just Especially like, when you got rent to pay in these yeah. buildings. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not cheap. You know, I, I provide a good service. I like to believe I'm a huge value. Yeah. I, I, my pricing is at a huge value, but I also know I'm not cheap. Mm-hmm. Like you know, I cost money. You know, um, and I'm well worth it. But at the same time, like you know, you have to, what's it called? I'd much rather have that and aim for that. I'm trying to build one. I'll take the time mm-hmm. to build a relationship one person at a time to to get to 75, yeah. to get to 100, to get to 200, knowing that those relationships can pay dividends later on. Down. For sure, for sure. Million dollars worth of game. Signed a big deal recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gilly the Kid, Wallow. Uh, what do you think about that? I don't know much about that deal. That's a podcast everybody talks about. Unfortunately, I know this sounds crazy. I've never watched an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, people talk about it a lot. I like to. I like them both individually. Like I know who they yeah. are. Um, but can you tell me some details about the deal? Do you know any details about the deal? The rumors are saying a hundred million. Mm-hmm. That's it. We don't know how many years. We don't know if that's true or not. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But uh, they were very excited. And I sit back and I just pause and I just like. Who's who's the deal with? Barstool. Barstool, okay. And salute to Barstool. Barstool is uh, Dave Portnoy. Yeah. Not the biggest fan of him either, but I'm a fan of his hustle, though. Big time. Yeah. And for them to go snatch a hip-hop podcast, Mm. that's dope. That's vision. To me, that's leadership. Like, yo, this may not be our thing, but they on the rise, let's partner with them. Mm. Anybody know Barstool Sports is like some right wing? Yeah, I mean, it's weird. I mean, I don't even know... I would say slightly yes, slightly yeah. yes, and slightly no. Like there, there's some things. I'm Sports just, outlet, yeah. Yeah, like I, I look at them and I still, give them <laughs> a, I don't know about y'all, but at the same time, but he's done, but he's also done some other things where I'm just like, okay, mm. okay, but um, but yeah, but I, but yeah, I, I, I applaud them trying to expand uh-huh. their content like that. Everybody celebrated. It gave me some pause because. Our voices, they're being purchased, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I'm actually, you're a business owner. Where does Barstool get its money from to even give Gillian Wallow $100 million? I mean, the obvious answer, the most obvious answer is probably advertising mm-hmm. more, so than, more so than anything else. I mean, that's probably the main, that's the main driver of pretty much mm-hmm. all of this. Yeah. Is advertising. Um, I don't really know. I don't really. I'll be honest with you. That's something I've always kind of been curious of myself. Uh-huh. Is like, there's some businesses or there's some like media outlets. Like I understand how they make their mm-hmm. money, but like you know, for example, like ESPN. It's like the the you know that's still advertising, but it's also through right. the uh, 
uh, what's it called? I mean, they pay for the television contracts, but the reason why they pay for those television contracts because advertising mm -hmm. is enormous. So I would imagine most of it, it's probably got to be advertising, but obviously I'm not in their books. Right. But I, I'll say this about that deal and, and not really knowing much about it, but I'm, I'm really kind of saying this more or less in relation to the Joe Rogan deal. Mm -hmm. When I heard, because Joe Rogan, that said, he got the same number, right? Wasn't it like a hundred million? Like, yeah, that's 100? the story. Yeah, I'll be honest. When I heard that, I was just like, "It's that it." That and that's what I say that and was I, the story. And, and I kind of feel that way. And don't get me wrong; like I don't think Barstool. I don't like I said. I don't know how much money they have. I'm surprised that they got that much money from Barstool because, mm -hmm. like, I know that they're not some small operation. They've right. got they've got bread. I didn't know they had that kind of money. Mm -hmm. Um. You know how many years were on that deal? No, I don't. I don't. But but with Joe Rogan, the story came out that it was a hundred million. Yeah. But I think people are saying now that it was a hundred million a year for three years. So people are saying that it might actually be three hundred million. We don't know the story. But but with the Barstool deal and Gillian Wallow, they were celebrating. How come we always celebrate the deal? Right? Why are we always under another company? Barstool is not bought by anybody mm. right like why don't why aren't we an entity i say black people black but why aren't we an entity that sponsors other places you know what i'm saying and the reason i bring that up is because when when uh what's my man's name noriega and the drink champs did the kanye interview mm. we don't have to get into the concepts or anything yeah. but nori went on an apology tour afterwards. Mm -hmm. But I saw you sat with him for two hours laughing and giggling, Kiki, and I can't help but think that the powers that be called him and said, yo, you better apologize. Mm -hmm. So now everything Nori puts out, I feel is compromised. Mm -hmm. You know, they celebrate the deals, but do we have our voice, which I think is ultimately most important. And I think if you do that, you'll get all the riches from the people. Why don't we skip that step of going for the deal and just go get it straight from the people, wherever Barstool's getting it from, wherever Spotify is getting that money from? I think it just comes down to the access that they have that mm -hmm. we don't have, you know? And I think sometimes the legit, like, they might look at you and be like, be impressed by what you were able to do right. on your own. Um, but I just feel like the access that you have, whether it's to capital or whether it's to a, an audience, is something that you, that unfortunately, you don't have any super black owned or majority black owned outlets right. that have either the capital or the note or the what's called or the access to audience mm -hmm. or distribution. Really, that's really what it comes down to is distribution, and that's not to say that we can't build it on mm -hmm. our own you know even though this is something completely different like I, I look at something like uh even though like i'm not i feel like i've been saying this all the time i'm not the biggest fan of people but <laughs> <laughs> but like uh some some different like with like tyler perry's built that whole arsenal of uh you know of a studio yeah. down there in yeah. atlanta you know yeah. doing it all you know that's a great example everything, everything he's done it, it, everything that gets produced down there is through his studio there's nobody you know it's pretty much all black, you know what I'm saying? And that's to say that there are no white people. Right, right. There, but, you know, that's a great but, example. Yeah. But like, so like, I'm not trying to say that there are zero examples of something like that existing in the podcast space though. I just don't, it's just not there. It's not there yet. Um, and I don't know, you know, it's a big, it's a big and hard question to answer, but at the same, but at the same time, I think that, um, 
I really can't fault somebody right. who's been working. If you have to think about it, they've been working so hard to create this super dope product, For sure. right? And someone comes along with more money than, I, granted, like I know they got money already, right. so I'm not trying to say that they are broke or anything like that. But in order to say no to that money means that you have the fortitude yeah. to be like, I'm going to say no to this because I'm looking for the bigger bag right. on my own. Yeah. And that takes a strong person to do with sure. a strong vision. For sure. With a really, really good vision. For sure. And even if you have something that's really, really rocking and really, really going on, we talked about it earlier. All it takes is one thing to change for, for that show to not exist anymore. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right. All it takes is one person to have a change of heart, one producer to go, one person to find a better opportunity, one person to feel mm-hmm. jealous, one person to get angry about something, right. and it's over. Mm-hmm. And so when they take a bag like that, I think it should be I think it should be celebrated. And but I also hear you. Mm-hmm. And I think it's something I think it's something that it takes more than it, it takes somebody with a vision and a willingness to to want to build that. Yeah. You and because that's not an easy thing. It's not do. an easy thing, Josh. And then when I sit back and think about my my what I want out of this podcast stuff, what does success look like for me? Mm. You know, my vision used to be I wanted to be on ESPN. Mm. But ESPN ain't gonna let me talk my talk. Mm. ESPN ain't gonna let me uh, invite my friends on. So when I see in this podcast, like what does success look like for me? Do I get a bag and then... Can I answer that question? Yeah, I'm I'm going to say... I'll let you finish. Do I get a bag and then we we discuss a topic and somebody calls me and says, we'll take it down? That's not success to me. So what does success look like for somebody like... Or or I'm, I'm asking you like... I struggle with that. I don't even know what success looks like for me personally in this podcast. Mm. I think so. Here's my question. Here's my answer that I typically give to people all the time when they ask, like, you know, what is what does success really look like in the mm. podcast space? And this is a personal. This is this is not the answer. It's just a personal answer for mm. me. To me, a, I always come back to what is the point of this thing? Mm. And in my opinion, the point of a podcast is to build community around the content that you equally care about with your audience. This is why this is my guy. I told y'all. He talking that talk. That's what that's what success looks like to me. Hello. And if you're and secondarily, if you're able to sustain it with funds, then you're really successful. <laughs> Everything else is gravy after that, as far as I'm concerned. That's dope. That's how I that's how I feel about it. Now, if you want to be the person mm-hmm. to create your own network that brings in other people and you build something mm-hmm. where you have your own platform and you're not controlled by anybody, you can do that on a smaller scale and be wildly successful. Right. Which is I mean, which is what Drink Champs has done, which is which is, wait, is Drink Champs on Revolt? Like, yeah, they don't revolt, revolt now. Yeah. So not them, but <laughs> they were independent <laughs> yeah, at one point. Yeah, yeah. But like if you're an independent podcaster and you have an audience and you, and it's sustaining itself, um it, and it's sustaining itself and you are having a good time mm-hmm. and your audience is having a good time. That and, or, and you've built a community around the content yeah. you're creating, you are successful. Mm-hmm. Point blank, period. Yeah. You don't really, in my opinion, after that, if you want to do something else and strive for something else, go for it. Just know that 
Uh, and this is not to tell anybody not to do it. Right, right. Just know that what you're what you're in for is is going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. It's just it just is. It's going to be difficult because in order to do what you're talking about, you have to build your own distribution network. Yeah. And even once you build it, people have to want to tap into that distribution yeah. network. So there's a lot of things, that, and there's just a lot of moving parts that go into that beyond simply being a content creator. For sure. So For that's sure. a, that's a. So that's 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 in my opinion what it takes. But in terms of like you know trying to figure out like oh how can I be happy as yeah. as a podcast or what's successful that's all, that's simply it. Yeah, that's really all it comes down to. Did you build a community around your content? That's dope, man. That's, that's dope. That's a word I use quite often: the community, mm -hmm. building a community. Um, and uh, you know I love to bring people in here that I think my people would appreciate. Mm -hmm. You know they may not be a megastar or they may not be the most popular, but they have a story that will resonate with my folks. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I like to do that. And that's why the Skip Bayless episode. Mm -hmm. I had Skip Bayless on this podcast. Which was, which was I, I'm not going to say it wasn't surprised. Like, on one end, I was surprised. Mm -hmm. On another end, I wasn't. Mm -hmm. Because I know you I know you well enough to know I'm just like, I know some people would be like, how in the world do you get Skip <laughs> But sometimes I just try to tell people, I'm like, yo, if you make connections and keep letting people know what you do, yeah. and you keep asking and you keep putting yourself out there, it's just a numbers game at that point. Yeah. But anyway, continue. That was better than sitting at Skip Bayless's desk on Undisputed because I got him to come here and acknowledge us and my people. You know what I'm saying? My friends felt so much pride seeing him come here, acknowledge WBH Radio, say his kind words to us, man. And 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 that's what makes it even more cool. Mm -hmm. Even better than being on ESPN's desk coming here where yeah. my same friends have sat and asked the questions that we talk about in our conversations. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you talk about community. That's what I discuss all the time, man. I appreciate that, son. That's that's my mission. Mm -hmm. That's my mission statement. That's what I'm after, building a community, being able to sustain this. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, what's some of the cooler moments you've had in Brooklyn Podcasting Studio? I was going through the social media today, and I saw you had Eric Adams in there. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was the man at that time, but you had yeah, individuals yeah. like that walk through. Talk to me about that. We've had a lot of individuals. Um some I can't, some I can talk about, some I can't talk about. Um, <laughs> the cool, uh, holy, you can't talk because the podcast, the podcast didn't end. One, one is, one is a. This is how you know. This is how you know your life is a little bit different now. Is uh -huh. when you have to sign a few NDAs. Hello, <laughs> it's like that. Yeah, it's like that. Unfortunately, I wish my bank account reflected, like <laughs> <that>. <laughs> but it's like that. Um, uh. I can give a strong hint about something. Uh, uh, one of the coolest moments for me, even though even though it was uh, just a just a pilot, there are two gentlemen that most people probably listening to this know, who are play uh, at the Barclays Center. Okay, um, and they had a very interesting conversation, and getting a chance to meet them in real life was very very cool. Was the content? That is not that is not on my that is not up to me. I don't think they ever ended up putting it out. When did this happen? This happened about two years ago. Mm. Two years ago, two people that are pretty well known, but I I have to leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. Can I dig further? Can I say? Uh, nah. Nah. 
We got it. Two people you, at the Barclays. That's that's so big enough. You you can probably you can figure it out. That's you, dope. You can that's figure, dope. You can figure it out. That was a pretty that was a pretty dope experience. I've had a lot of really dope experiences. And, and they yeah, didn't put it out. They didn't. They didn't. They. I don't think they ended up putting. I'm. I'm almost 100 percent certain they didn't put it out because they said things there that I don't think they. They would ever. They, they were testing it out, saying things that I yeah. know they would. They, they would never. Say. And they made you sign an NDA. Yeah. They had a bunch of handlers in there, or no? Uh, yeah, they had a bunch of handlers. No. Yeah, they had a bunch of handlers in there. But um, <laughs> that's as that's as deep as I can go into. It. Um, so that let's go. That was like the most uh, starstruck <laughs> I think I maybe have ever. Ever, ever been and that's a hard thing for me to feel to be honest because yeah. like, I, I, i've met a lot of people um who else was really cool did you know they were coming no that's the craziest yeah, part about sure. it. i didn't even know they were coming somebody else contacted you to sign i this. had no idea what i had no idea who was coming and i didn't sign the papers until they were there so oh. it was like so i had really had no idea yeah i really had no idea um i've had a lot of cool mo <laughs> i've had a lot of cool moments this year man yeah. like i mean uh, things I can talk about. Uh, I mean, I did a project for Nike. That's not something that's for public consumption. Mm -hmm. It's actually like an internal thing. Mm -hmm. They actually made a podcast for like their marketing team mm -hmm. that they wanted to have because they were. I guess I think they get like these like annual reports or something like that that I don't think anybody ever reads or anything yeah. like that. So they wanted to do something that was like, how can we get people to actually like watch and listen mm -hmm. to these, uh, to this stuff? So that was pretty cool. Um, and I know, and it's weird because it sounds really boring, but like how we put it together was like super dope. Uh, I did a thing with Am One at the beginning of the at the beginning of twenty twenty. Saw that clip. Yeah, that was super cool because it's like I was the biggest like, uh, you know, I mean, obviously I was an NBA fan, but like I really loved that time. Yeah. Of the of those mixtape tours, man. Skip like, to my Lou. Yeah, we had most of those guys on there. Every one of them except for like the professor, who's like his own. Doing, yeah. Doing his own thing. Um, what what can you tell us about the, the, the Eric Adams appearance? He was oh, the borough yeah. president at that time, right? Yeah, he was the borough president at the time, and he was there. It was in the middle of his run. Um, I'll be honest with you, like the dude you see on TV and the dude that I saw. That the dude, the dude drinking tap water. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a little different, huh? Yeah, <laughs> you know. He came off super zen, man. Like he yeah. was, he was. Um, and the thing is, like you can go ahead and watch it. Like you know, like he. If you watch that interview with, uh, shout out to Felix Levine, by the way. He's mm -hmm. that was on his podcast. Uh, uh, Where's this going <laughs> with Felix Levine? Um, he he came across like super zen, super like relatable. Mm -hmm. And it's not that he doesn't have moments like that on TV, but like when you see that dude on TV, like he. He like shuts shit down like mm -hmm. real quick. Like he's not here for like I mean, like he's not here to have like a super long back and forth. Like he really seems like two different people mm -hmm. from my. Uh, and that's kind of the thing that kind of blew me away because I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't have like an extreme dislike for him or anything like that. Like he's just kind of like eh, whatever. Yeah. Like you know, I don't like you know, like I don't love him. Yeah. I, don't, mm -hmm. I don't really, I don't love him. I don't hate him. There's things I like. There's things I like about him. There's a lot of things I don't like about yeah. him. But that's that's a lot. That's most politicians. Um, but he just, but personally, he came across like a really centered, really like thoughtful person. Nice. And, but he, I, you don't see that side yeah. of him at all. Yeah. Like, and I don't, and the thing is like, I couldn't figure out whether that was an, 
I don't think it was an act. Like right. I think that's actually maybe how he really is. But I think that maybe the person we see on TV. Yeah. Once you get in that political arena, maybe, you gotta you gotta be, be a certain, one of them. You gotta be a certain way. Yeah. So it was uh, it was interesting. You mm. know, I I like I didn't I didn't judge him for it. It's just more one of those things. I was just like, oh, I really expected you to be different, and yeah. you and you weren't. Yeah. I recently told my audience that I will not be putting out any more audio on the on the. Uh, like app, mm-hmm. like I'm not doing audio. I'm just doing YouTube. Why is that? I need to centralize everybody. I don't know what's going on in the audio. Can, can, can I be honest with you? Yeah. Don't do that. Why not, Mr. Wilcox? Don't do that. You want to be in as many places as possible. You want to meet people where they're at. And the reason why you don't want to do that is because the truth of the matter is, I tell this about, I tell this to people all the time. I love the fact some people oh are, one more thing josh i feel like i cannot we good on time yeah we're good i can't ask people to join youtube membership if the audio is free mm, not really mm-hmm. not really you can who told you that uh the voices in my head exactly <laughs> <laughs> see what i'm saying who told you that is that a rule somewhere no, it's not a rule anywhere. Mm-hmm. There's plenty of people that are going to do it. You know, there's plenty of people that are going I to need do everybody in the YouTube membership. It's not going to, I don't think it's going to hurt the membership. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Because here's, a, here's, what, here's one thing that I've learned. Uh, I came to podcasting as thinking of it as more of an audio than a, than a visual medium. Yes. But, and this was, and the thing is like, this is more like seven years ago or Many so. of the purists and originals people, believe that. Yeah. And, but I'm also not a person that is un- ignorant to change, right? Mm. And the thing is that I tell people to focus on both of them now. Okay. And the reason why I tell people to focus on both of them is that what I find is that either you are, most people are either one way, mm. most people. They either are a viewer of podcasts or a listener of podcasts. Mm. Now me, I'm always going to be a listener of podcasts because I don't have time to sit down and watch you mm-hmm. um, and stop what I'm doing. So that's why I, what's it called? And the reason, and so for, I meet a lot of people who are video podcasters only, or really only, they might have their stuff out on all the audio platforms, but they never actually even take a look at their numbers. Right. Like, for example, like I had somebody who I told them, uh, they're like, yeah, I'm not on all the audio platforms, but like the, the, the reason why the video platforms are so much more, I wanna say, alluring to people is because. You can get comments on things. You can get feedback yes. on things um, in a much easier fashion than you can with audio. People have to like email you directly, <laughs> or, you know, or maybe they might find you on Instagram and they might DM you. But I, I told them, I was like, why don't you, I was just like, I challenged them. I was like, what do your audio numbers look like? And they said, I don't know. We sat down, we looked at it and they're like, oh shit, our audio numbers are better than our video numbers. Wow. They're like, how, how is that? We really only focus on the video. And I said, because people don't have to stop what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They don't have to stop what they're doing. The problem is that people don't have them work in tandem with each other. Mm-hmm. And let me let me let me explain that. How to make talk them, to us, man. And how to make them work in tandem with each other is very very simple. At the top of the episode, be like, hey, if you're watching this, and you ever feel like you don't have time to watch us, you could always listen to us mm-hmm. on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or if you're just or if you're if you've been listening to us for a while and you want to see what our beautiful faces actually <laughs> look like. 
please make sure you can always find us on YouTube and subscribe. Mm -hmm. Getting people to do both of those things is dope because even if even me as a person who who mostly consumes through audio, I'm on YouTube. Yes. And if I get if I'm subscribed and I get that notification that you have a new clip out or a new or a new episode out, maybe I might just take a few minutes out of my day where I have the time to mm -hmm. and see what you look like. And vice versa, gotcha. if I don't have the time to, to, to be on YouTube, but I'm also subscribed and I get the notification on my phone that, hey, you got something new on Spotify mm -hmm. uh, or if I'm, it's a new something new on Spotify, something new on Apple Podcasts, I could just take you I could just take you with whatever I'm doing. You got to meet people where they are, where they are. And w what would you rather have a subscriber just on the audio side or the video side? Or how about both? Mm -hmm. Why not both? You know? I, that's why I just try to tell people, I'm like, look, if you're focused on on the video side of things, don't discount the audio. And if you're and if you're a person that's been fearing to do video, just do it. Yeah, because like the more places you are maximizes your SEO everywhere. I tried. I, would you rather be in one place or 30? <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. now yeah. I understand that might become a challenge. I, I understand the challenge of being like, well, how many people are actually tuning in and whatnot? Right. But I'd rather be a little bit ignorant of a larger audience. <laughs> yeah. if, if, you, if you understand what I'm saying, yeah. then uh, let's go. Then not giving the opportunity yeah. for that to be there. Yeah, it, that decision never really sat right with my soul. I felt it was necessary. Mm -hmm. You know, if I got six audio listeners, yo, yo, I need you in the YouTube, son. Mm -hmm. Keep this afloat. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I felt if I just kept the audio going, people would just sit there and be content with that. And that doesn't really help the show. Yeah, you just got to remind them. You got to let people know. Mm -hmm. I tell this, you got to, what's it called? You have to, there's a reason why even the biggest podcasters are still telling people to like subscribe yeah. and do all that stuff there's a reason why people put say it because it works mm -hmm. now it doesn't i mean the rate of how, of how often it works yeah it's probably low but there's a reason why people do it mm -hmm. you know you mm -hmm. do it because sometimes people don't know that you got a youtube show yeah. a youtube channel sometimes people don't know that they can listen to you wherever they what's called wherever uh what's called, on any of the audio platforms got you so it's definitely definitely worth it I, I just, I, I can't stress that enough. Gotcha. Gotcha. Talk to me about the Brooklyn podcasting studio space. It's changed since I, it's changed, been... a, it's changed a lot, man. It's, it's changed a lot for the better. we got new cameras. We've got new, uh, uh, what's it called? We've reinforced the room with more, what's it called? Uh, what's it called? with more sound reinforcement, like everything. What's it called? We have new areas. We have a new lounge. Yeah. You have we, like a, a couch yeah. area now, right? Yeah. Which was always there, but we never filmed there. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason why we never filmed there is because we didn't really have the best sound set up there, mm -hmm. but now we do. Mm -hmm. We're doing that. We also do, um, shoot, we're doing a lot right now. We're, we're doing that. We're doing, uh, if you, if you want to do a record, if you want to do a recording from your crib, and, and want it to look as nice as mm -hmm. possible or sound as best as it possibly can, um, we can come to you now. You we can, can do, come. yeah, we can come to you now. Um, but the thing I'm most excited about, like literally the most of the thing I'm excited about more so than anything is this course that I'm working on right now. That's going to be out I will, hopefully by the end of February or mid February. What's the course about? The course is about what I said earlier is the most important thing, content. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot of people, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of great information about out there about like how to start your podcast from like the mic you should choose, yeah. um, the cameras, uh, how to how to maybe market your podcast in different ways and blah, 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 blah. 
all of that stuff is all well and good, mm -hmm. right? They will tell you all those things. But the truth of the matter is the number one most important thing is just comes down to is your content good or mm -hmm. not? That's what's going to keep your show. A, a, that's, what, that's what's going to grow your show, number one, and keep people there, number two. Gotcha. And I don't think there's enough people that are actually talking about that. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what kind of content that you do. I don't care what you talk about. Like we, I mean, like, I don't care whether you talk about any, anything from witchcraft to politics to sports. Yeah. There are things that I have been able to distill down for people mm -hmm. because, like you said, when you came to the studio, did I hit record and walk away? No, sir. No, I listened. I did something revolutionary. I actually listened yeah, to every single po I listened to every single podcaster that comes through the studio. Jesus Christ. I listened to all of them. Let me just give you some let me distill this down for you even further. I've listened to over 3000 podcast episodes wow. in the studio. Over 3000. Mm -hmm. And I did all of that listening sort of Almost by it is kind of the course almost kind of happened by accident because I started giving people advice mm. from the jump, but that advice gradually got better and better mm. and better as I started seeing patterns in the mistakes that people were making. Yeah. I would be like, I've always been a person to be like, this isn't working. Mm. Why is this not working? For sure. Let me think about why this isn't working. Okay, this is why it's not working. How do I communicate that to my clients so that they can understand why this isn't working? Mm. Gotcha. I don't know if you remember, but I actually recorded with you at the very first space before the yeah, fire. Yeah, you you people don't even know about that space. That's the <laughs> funniest part. Like a lot of people don't even know that 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 we had a different location from before. Yeah. Um, and that was a nice looking space. It too. was. Yeah, that it was. was. That was a nice looking space too. And we took a lot of the stuff from there. But yeah. what can you say about the vibe you try to create in the studio for your clients? Relaxed and professional. That's what I try to do. Like I want people to feel like they're at home. I want people to feel like they are comfortable because the truth of the matter is some people are are very can, will talk your ear off and they're comfortable wherever. Mm -hmm. But some people are talking about some very vulnerable things like we do. The subject matters is like any possible subject matter you can mm -hmm. imagine. And people sometimes they need to feel relaxed. Yeah. They need to know that they're in a place where they can say the things that they need to say for sure and not feel judged, not feel thought of, uh, not feel judged. Um, not feel like um, the person like, you know, for me, I'm very, I'm a very, uh, I'm, I'm the type of person who really does not judge people yeah. or, or I try to do my best not to judge people. I want people to feel comfortable. Mm. That is something that I've always really stressed, just even on a personal level. Like when you meet me, I want you to feel comfortable around mm. me. And I try to make our space feel that way. And people have told me, like, you know, and I and I say this with all the humbleness in the world, people have told me, like, there's something about walking in here where I just feel mm -hmm. comfortable. Mm -hmm. And that's the best compliment that you can give me For because sure. it's by design. Mm -hmm. I want people to feel relaxed. I want people to feel happy. I want people to feel good. I want people to feel um, that they can do and say the things that they need to say mm -hmm. when they're there. What can you tell the people about what it was like with me walking in the studio? When you walked into the studio... I the one of the things I noticed was I was just like, well, a you were very punctual, <laughs> which I liked <laughs> big time, Josh. Which is which is something. Let me tell you something. It's a it's a lost art out here, and I say that as somebody that showed up an hour late, <laughs> and I feel t I, I, I'm, I'm gonna let people know I, I I showed up an hour late because I messed up the scheduling, 
And I'm a person who's usually pretty punctual mm -hmm. and I can't stand it when people aren't. So like when mm -hmm. I told when I when I, even though you said it was cool, it wasn't cool with mm -hmm. me. I'm still going to leave here right. afterwards. Still still mad at myself for that right. because time is precious. Mm -hmm. um, but you were really punctual. I remember you had on your um, you had on a black polo with the WBH logo mm -hmm. on it. So I was just like, OK. He's ready. Mm -hmm. He's got what's it called? He's got he's got merch or at least a shirt for himself. <laughs> I liked that. And and the, and the thing is, is like as someone that also consumes, you know, I would say mostly your mostly sports radio show. Yes, sir. Then I would say you've expanded a little bit now. Um, but I noticed that you were you cared about what that was the thing I noticed for at first is mm -hmm. that you cared about what you were doing. Right. You weren't just you I mean like you had notes. And obviously, you, you know, you're going to say some stuff off the dome and whatnot, right. but you, you seem to have come prepared. You were taking it seriously. And I like to help out anybody who is willing to take this mm -hmm. seriously. And it's not that you need to have like some stern look on your face right. or anything like that. But the truth of the matter is, like I said before, like so many people come into it believing that it's just about talking mm -hmm. into microphones. And it was clear to me that like you had done some preparation. And I just like the fact that. You had also done studying, too, yeah. which is another thing I tell people to do, which you, you even talked about earlier. Like you had studied other podcasts. Mm -hmm. You had studied other like sports radio personalities. Right. And you were trying to figure like I can tell you were just trying to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And that that's pretty much like the first thing I remember when you walked through the mm -hmm. door. And it made me want to work with you and, and work for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was trying, man. I remember my biggest concern, it's still a concern of mine, is I felt like I took too much time mm. in between thoughts. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I'm not the the most talkative person in real life. Like This yeah. is really me trying. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So uh, what, what, what advice do you have for me today as we look ahead and I try to become better, try to be the best podcast I could be? Simple. Number one, you got to be more consistent. Mm. Got to be more consistent. Um, I, I always... I have like a new sort of, I, I have like new sayings now, which mm -hmm. is kind of funny because um, I had never thought I'd be a person who has like things that they say all the time. But, you know, 90% of the work of a 90% of podcasting is everything you do outside the, outside the recording right. than what you do inside the recording. And I think the one thing that you, you need to do, I, I would recommend a few things. Consistency, you need more consistency, but I also like to break that down as like, how do you get to more consistency? Mm -hmm. We live in New York City. Yes, sir. We live in New York City where there is a million and one college students looking to get some sort of experience, real life experience um, with some sort of job. Right. Hire an intern. I can't don't. trust no stranger, Josh. Come See, on. See, that's how everybody <laughs> feels. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. There's some, there's some trial and error in that for sure, for sure. But here's the thing. You can't do it alone. Yeah. I'm learning this lesson the hard way as a business owner. Like, you know, like I have one guy that that I that I really, really trust um, uh, who, who's he's the only reason why I have any sort of social mm -hmm. life whatsoever. Um, but don't do it alone because mm -hmm. you really can't do it alone, because even if you can do do as much as you can alone in the beginning. Mm -hmm. But anything that you know that you that you consistently put off, you don't like doing, but you know, it's important to you growing get somebody to do it for you. And the thing is with interns, like you, I always tell people like, don't abuse interns. No, I'm not trying to tell people no. to be like, don't pay them nothing, ask them for the world. Like, don't ask for the world. Mm -hmm. Can you give me 15, can you give me 15 hours a week? Can mm -hmm. you give me 10 hours a week to maybe run my social media, 
talk to people on my behalf. I'm going to put an ad on Craigslist and hopefully find the next Josh Wilcox. See? See? Yeah, that, I'm telling you right now, that's where all the gems are yeah. on Craigslist. But yeah, building a team is something I tell people to do as quickly as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. Because the quicker you can build a team, the more you can focus on the things that you actually want to do with your podcast and actually being able to push forward with it. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many things that go into a podcast. You're literally building it. Treat it like it's a job. Treat it like it's an organization. Mm -hmm. Because And what is an organization? What makes an organization thrive is a built like all an organization or a company is, is something that produces a product or a service and it's their ability to organize tasks mm. the better you are at organizing tasks the better you'll be at being able to have a more efficiently run podcast that that's what will help you ultimately be more consistent gotcha. now content wise is a, i also did do some listening mm. and whatnot uh, with some of the stuff you've done recently the other two pieces of advice i would probably give is the setup mm to us to a conversation is ultimately almost more important than the conversation that's okay. being had and what i mean by that is how you frame the conversation at the beginning mm -hmm. and i tell this to people all the time it's the hardest thing to get good at and but some people don't even know that that's that's the thing that's sabotaging them okay. and the reason why i say that is because we have this much time yes sir. to get a new person's attention someone new that comes and finds you you're lucky. And I'm not saying that you personally look like you're yeah. lucky. They found you. Yeah. They're willing to give you a shot. You have that much time to get there, to get their attention. Mm -hmm. And you can't just walk into it and be like, today we're going to talk about some super broad topic. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Don't do that. You need to figure out this is what you want to talk about. What is the most interesting way that I can introduce this topic mm -hmm. so that people will want to talk to to, to, to talk about it. I'll, I'll even give you an example. Give right? it to me. Remember, because I used this as an example for somebody and I thought it was pretty good. So I'll try to reuse it and try to, I'm not going to remember it verbatim, but you remember when Kanye was going through that, um, what looked like that mental episode where he had like the security jacket on and said that crazy thing about uh, like Harriet Tubman or something like that. I'm yes. Like, yeah. So he was running for president. Yeah. He was right. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It was like part of his presidential run. <laughs> so he said that thing, it was in the headlines or whatever. And of course, a lot of people who do current events podcasts, which I have my own sort of trepidation about that, but that's another story for another day. Um, people will roll in and be like, okay, today we're going to be talking about that Kanye thing because you know we got to talk about right. that, that Kanye thing. So when, so when people, did, so I told them afterwards, I was like, that setup was terrible. Mm. And they're like, what do you mean? And I said, well, you're using that event as a crutch to just simply talk about it. And by this point in time, if someone finds your podcast to talk, so if someone finds your podcast and you're going to talk about that event, they've heard they've already heard forty thousand other takes right. on the event, right? They're probably not going to care. They're probably not going to care what your opinion is mm -hmm. on this thing that they already know about. They have their own opinion. Why the hell should they care about yours, mm -hmm. right? And I didn't say that to be mean. That's just reality. Yeah, just reality. So I said, the real question is, if you're going to be doing a podcast like that. Mm -hmm. Instead of just choosing whatever the hot topic is of the day, choose only the hot topics that resonate with you in a way where you have a story that you can add to it or say some sort of narrative that uh -huh. might be something different. Yeah. So I took that, right? So yeah. while they were doing their podcast, and this is how I tell you, I tell you like I was really listening, mm -hmm. I was making my own setup mm -hmm. based on what they based on that current event. 
And the setup I came up with was, okay, we know we have, let's go. So a lot of you saw that Kanye episode where he was saying all that crazy shit about Harriet Tubman. You know, and it got me thinking. I know a lot of people have already talked about this, but I want to have a different conversation. And it got me thinking, you know, a couple months back, I saw Kim Kardashian and she was at the White House freeing all these people from prison. <laughs> and what's crazy is if I fast, if I rolled back the clock, what I thought about Kim Kardashian 10 years ago and what I thought about Kanye West 10 years ago, those feelings have almost completely flipped. That's dope. And it makes me think about this. If you're tuning in and listening and watching me right now, would you have bet 10 years ago that the way you thought about these two individuals would have flipped? And here's an even better conversation. Is this going to be the track record? Like, who, who would you say is getting the best of this relationship now? Because sure. if 10 years ago, I would have said, damn, Kim Kardashian got the glow up. And now I'm looking at Kanye and being like, damn, he's so lucky to have Kim K. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a, a great setup. That's a much better setup. You're more interested in the conversation sure. now. Is that a more interesting For setup? For sure. Now, granted, I didn't even say it the best way. You right. know what I'm saying? But if you take the time to th literally sit down and think about mm -hmm. it, and I even tell people, even though you're doing something that's unscripted, it's almost worth writing down what your setup is going mm -hmm. to be. Even if you're not reading it, I don't suggest that you read it, but I would suggest that you write it down, read it a few times, say it a few times, edit it a few mm -hmm. times, and then... Try to say it the best off the top of your dome. That way you know that you have something that is going to grab someone's attention. Gotcha. From the jump. Gotcha. That, what, what clip were you watching recently of mine? Um, I was watching the uh, episode, the one, um, uh, it was like, what, two weeks ago that you, oh. that you watched? That you had a guest, I can't remember the dude's name. Uh, I've had a whole bunch of guests last time. Can't remember the brother's uh. name off the, off, offhand. But you guys were talking about, I think you guys were talking about Shannon and Skip. Okay, yeah, my boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. It was after. I see. I can't remember. I couldn't remember the. Um, I know. I know a lot of people were talking about it, but I didn't get a chance to watch it. Not the most recent one that about the no. Demar Hamlin thing. No, it no, was no. about the one where like he. It really looked like people say like like Skip really violated shit yeah, or yeah, something, something yeah. like that. So, what do you think could have been done better in that conversation? Or oh, the place or the, the setup? So for me, it's not so much the setup with that. The other part of it that I will mention is the is story. Mm -hmm. So. So I always tell people, like, in terms of your content, how good your setups are and stories that you can add into. Right. So instead of just talking about what right. took place, if you have a personal story that you can somehow relate to yeah. that incident, bring that to the forefront. Gotcha. And I think that's actually one of my strengths, though. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I, to be honest with you, like, I've seen you do it in, in other areas, yeah. too. Like, I think that is something that is the most like I always tell people, I'm like, whatever your whatever your uh uh What's it Whatever thing you're talking about, if you happen to be talking about something that's current, bring your own story right. to the table because it does two things for you. Number one, you're now having a different conversation mm -hmm. or bringing something different to the table. And the other thing is the reason why people will continually tune into you is because they know you. Yeah. But the way that they get to know you is not through you just sitting there talking about yourself the whole right. time. They'll figure they'll figure out who you are through your stories, stories. Yeah. and the stories and by and by relating to whatever's going on, whatever event you bring to the yeah. table, it happens in a much more organic way. So the setup, how you set up and frame the conversations mm -hmm. and the stories that you bring to it, those are like two very, very like base, like baseline important keys to make to having better unscripted conversations. 
Copy, if you cool. focus, like honestly, there's lots of other things too. But if you focus on those two things, you're gonna be better than like ninety percent of people out mm-hmm. here. Because other people out here are just going to want to give their their hot take yeah. or the hot opinion. And I can't stress this enough: nobody gives a shit about your opinion. No, like nobody. I try to stay away from that. Yeah, no one really cares. No one really, really cares about your opinion. I mean, they'll learn about your opinion through you know your through stories. The, through, through, through especially the stories, when I talk but. about people I've had and. I've had experiences with, you know, I think that is the only reason to tune into WBH radio. Mm-hmm. I'm a college athlete. I'm a veteran. Yeah. I've worked in professional organizations. So I really do try to uh, put those stories in there, but you got to grab them early on. Mm. Uh, but sometimes I worry about what's the, what's the thing? Burying the lead. Yeah. Like, I don't you don't mm-hmm. have to bury. It depends on how you. There's there's so there's many different kinds of setups, yeah. and I don't I don't know if I have enough time to go through yeah. all of all to go through all of them and whatnot. But like, there's many different ways of going about doing it. It's literally just thinking about taking the time to really put some thought into like what is the what is the most out of what I'm, uh, whatever the subject matter is that I'm talking about. What is the quote unquote sexiest thing that's going to be like? I call it verbal clickbait. Right. Like. <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. I call it verbal clickbait. If I say this thing or mention this thing, I'm going to frame it in a way. And when I say it, people are going to be like, I'm locked in. Copy. I'm locked in. Now, granted, it might not be for everybody. And I'm not trying to tell you to do something. Sometimes people take it too far yeah. and try to be overly shameless about it. Yeah. Don't do that. Be your authentic self, Be your authentic self, but be the most, for lack of better words, entertaining or engaging version of your authentic self. Without question. Without question. Uh, where can people follow or keep up with the Brooklyn Podcasting Studio? So you can, uh, oh, it's a go. You can follow. Us, you, can, you can follow us on Instagram at Brooklyn Podcasting. Very simple. BrooklynPodcastingStudio.com. Uh, if you sign up for our email list on the website, uh, you'll be getting some regular emails from me very soon. They're not spammy emails, by mm-hmm. the way. Most of them are going to be about my, I'm going to be giving away some tips, but right. you also can lock into my course that I'm going to be uh, start promoting through the email list as well. Because I just feel like, like I said, there's not enough talk about the elephant. I, I call it the elephant in the room, <laughs> bro. Because like, yeah. like, it's the elephant in the room because I hear people be like, oh, they get mad about uh, my podcast isn't growing because... Um, uh, what's it called? My marketing's not right, or my grandma didn't share the post, yeah. or the guest that I had on didn't share anything. They'll blame. They'll be looking at everything else right. aside from their content. Yes, sir. And the truth of the matter is, is like, it's, I just say it simply like this: If your content isn't good enough for somebody to feel like, oh, I got to share that with some, I got to let people know about yeah. it, then it's not good enough yet. That's it. And you just need to keep working on that i'm not trying to say a marketing plan isn't important it definitely is but let's just be real about it when you know you got the goods it's real easy to market something without question i mean any marketing person even like the best pr people in the world will tell you the best thing is the best marketing plan is to have a good product or service yeah you know first and foremost (laughs) because like and the thing is like even if you have the most fire marketing on the planet you're not going to sustain those people either you're going to have to keep spending time and money marketing to new people and at certain point at a certain point you're going to hit a saturation wall like you know you're not going to get new people so focus on your content first if you have an issue with growing your audience check your content first before looking at anything else there you go there you go uh september live show date night for you and your wife you gonna be there september yeah this coming september yeah live show where at top secret top secret i just need to know you're gonna be in there i'll be there 
My man, we got him on record, ladies and gentlemen. I'll be there. Josh Wilcox. Appreciate you, sir. I appreciate you, man. Over the years, you've always been somebody to answer the phone for me. Mm-hmm. You've been in the room when I recorded. I don't forget day ones. I don't. Oh, snap. You got me hyped, man. <laughs> um, support my man, Josh Wilcox, Brooklyn Podcasting Studio. Come see me. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, that's WBH Radio. I'm William Holly. We out. Peace.